Well, it's another one of those unfortunate weeks in wrestling. Uh, one that we've got to start off with in a sombre mood, uh, a, a, a day of remembrance, uh, an episode of remembrance, or a, a short section of an episode of remembrance. I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of podcasts and, and video hosts and people like that who sort of jump on the bandwagon when somebody dies and, and advertise um, their tribute episode, if you like. We're not going to do that today. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the uh, unfortunate and very sad passing of Shannon Spurrell, who was also known as uh, Daphne, or Scream Queen Daph, or a couple of other aliases that she had over the years. Uh, the young lady tragically uh, taking her own life, we believe. I haven't seen anything to either confirm nor deny that, but given the um, the events surrounding what happened we believe that that she did unfortunately uh, take her own life due to uh, years of um, battling depression uh, and other things that went along with it uh, a really 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 fantastic human being um, I, I'm not going to implore you to go and search my Twitter history where uh, I once tweeted her and said that she's one of the hottest people I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I did crush on Daphne for a little while over there in uh, in Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, uh, but also the character, just something else. And obviously in WCW as well, I'm sure everybody's seen the video now of Crowbar uh, giving off a monumentous promo when it comes to the uh, hardcore title. I think he'd come out of the... Uh, crowbar sort of persona where he's a crazed maniac and uh, he wasn't really doing much of the talking and the angle with David Flair had kind of gone to the wayside and of course Brian put that up on the old Nitrogen podcast Twitter as well for us all to enjoy uh, and Brian's here with me now of course as we go into this uh, new episode of the Nitrogen podcast first of all well what can we say Brian I mean this is it's just another one of those scenarios where we sort of have to say you know no, nobody's alone we can never really understand what you're going through but we can try and help to our to the best of our abilities and just you know we are here it, it doesn't help to say reach out but we we really really want people out there to know that you don't have to be alone even though we we truly don't understand what you're going through we would like to be able to help even if it's just the one percent yeah, um, see, I can I can relate more with people like that. I've been there myself, so I can sort of understand what they're going through. It's more a case of understanding why they're going through all that. Um, those those situations we can't really relate to unless we've gone through the exact same thing that's caused us to go the way our mind has gone. Uh, for me, various different things, you know, that was caused my depression and suicidal tendencies over the years um i'm pretty sure that my experiences don't really uh they don't really compare with other people's experiences and don't compare to daphne's experiences so you know but as you say um sometimes all you really need is a friendly voice or just somebody just to be there really that's all it can take uh, i'm not saying that that is the solution. I think it goes far beyond uh, reaching out. I mean, you you can understand this yourself, Mike, that the mental health uh, 
services in this country are absolutely diabolical. Yeah. I, I can't really say what they're like in America. I can only assume that they're not great. Um, and obviously healthcare in, in America is a completely different issue to what it is over here. We get universal healthcare and the mental health services here are a constant failure. And that that's not their fault. It's just, it's underfunded. It's simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, um, unless, you, unless you've got the money to pay for private, private care, um, unfortunately, you, you haven't really got much to hang your hat on. And that's why I always encourage people to talk about the mental health because at least that way, you're not you're not burdening on uh, people with unwanted things. You you you're talking to people that can understand what you're going through. That's why I say reach out to people that you trust yeah. or reach out to people that have gone through similar experiences or or whatever. You don't just you know pick any random bloody jokes from all on Twitter and ex- and expect them to to want to listen to what you're going through and you know because sometimes that can be the worst thing to do now i say you know trusted friends trusted family members trusted loved ones trusted colleagues um people like us you know i, I i've always said it you know i'm i'm willing to listen to anybody that's going through uh through dark days and uh hopefully try to give them a little bit of perspective or you know just allow them to vent and just get it off the chest and you know, hope that they can come away from that feeling a little bit better about themselves or just have the perspective to look at things a little bit differently or even just be encouraged to to seek therapy or, or whatever whatever it takes for them, you know. Just uh yeah, just do not suffer in silence. It's it's always best to talk. Always. Yeah. Even if the other person can't respond or can't offer anything that will help you talking in itself does relieve just a tiny little bit um i've always found that just to, just to be able to chat and you know just let it let it all out i think every human being goes through that but obviously every human being is different in the way that they cope with things and the more and more time goes on um the more and more we're seeing um sort of uncovering what people's men mental illnesses are but also even you know the people who are completely normal and sane if you like if that's even if that's even the right term um they even they are discovering that they might have like little bouts of anxiety or they might have little bouts of depression or anything like that at the end of the day it helps to talk and there's nothing wrong with talking there's nothing wrong with admitting anything um, no that's the main and, thing. And, and it also pays to be kind to people because you don't really know what they're going through of course, yeah yeah. You know, I, I I always I always live by the mantra, treat people how I want to be treated. Yeah. And if people treat me like shit, then of course I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind or if they're being assholes, I'm just gonna tell them straight, you know, this you know, that they're not right or the behaviour's not right and sometimes I may call them a dickhead in in, in just a, a bout of frustration, that's literally it. You know, it's not mean spirited, it's just about frustration and sometimes I feel guilty for doing that. Uh, so I, I think it's a life lesson in for all of us, really. You know that uh, they we're all we're all still learning. It doesn't matter how old you are; you're still learning how to react to things, especially in an era of social media and that. Um, but yeah, it just you know, just be kind to people. Don't don't just. This is why I hate fucking trolls on the internet. You know, people just go out of the way, think it's funny, just to you know, just to mock and thinking that it's there's no harm in doing it. It's like like, like I say, you don't know what that other person's going through, so just. Don't do it. Just don't. Yeah. You know, just uh, 
just be nice to each other, be friendly to each other. Yeah, and it's it's sad that it takes an incident like this for for everybody to remember that these things exist in other people's brains and and that not not everybody copes the same way that you do. Um, this one hit me hard, dude. I, I can't lie. Uh, this this is this is one of the big ones for me um, because Daphne was part of that that setup that I when I was a teenager was was growing up watching. All right, yeah, I was watching it on Channel Five, but them guys were on it every week. You know what I mean? Um, especially in that Russo era and everything like that. So this one, this was a pretty tough one because, well, you know, the familiar faces and, and again, like I said, tenure in, in in TNA, the, the the Monsters Ball match and everything like that. You know, holy hell, um, she put herself through the ringer for for people's entertainment. Um, to the point where you know she suffered some serious injuries and even took TNA to court and Dixie Carter to court because TNA not only put her at risk um, by asking that she d- or demanding that she do the spots in the match, but also they didn't err the spots in the match in the end uh, and they refused to pay for her medical expenses when she actually legitimately injured herself doing said spots. So not only was she entertaining people, but she was also you know changing the dynamic of. Um, certain companies and certain uh, wrestling organizations looking after their talent um, you, you'd be you'd be very you'd be very surprised you guys if you if you're not familiar with Daphne or you your younger generation or you know under 30 or whatever um, to, to actually go and look back at what she's done in wrestling yeah I mean I, I don't feel as qualified as what you are in terms of talking about Daphne personally I mean my, my main experience uh, with Daphne is you champion her all the time. I mean, <laughs> I, I think there's been many, many a drunken nights where Daphne has actually come up. Yeah. <laughs> like just, And it might just be a quick thing like, oh, yeah, I saw Daphne do this in WCW or what have you. Um, you know, so I knew that you were a massive fan, so I knew that this was going to hit you hard. Uh, for me, uh, my experiences with Daphne, obviously I didn't watch WCW growing up, but I was aware of who she is. Um, but my experiences of Daphne, seeing her in Ring of Honor when it was on TWC here in the UK, um, little bits of uh, Shimmer that that was on the same channel as well, yeah. I saw in there. But again, TNA. Yeah. And t- TNA, it, it cares off. I didn't even remember seeing her in Ring of Honor previously. I just saw her turn up on TNA, and I looked at her and like, she's fucking different from everybody else here. And this is where I think TNA were very much ahead of the curve in terms of the quote-unquote women's revolution and all that. Yes. Yeah, they, st- they still they still have the problems that existed in WWE and still to this day exist in WWE. Uh, hot, warm, big breasts, you know, you, you, you're probably going to get a push. Even though the people that fit that criteria in TNA were actually really, really good wrestlers. Yeah. But the problem was is that there wasn't enough diversity. Hmm. Um, that This is where... Awesome Kong came in and was revolutionary. This is where Gail Kim came in and was revolutionary, even though she was a pretty face herself, you know, she she didn't fit the mould. Uh, and Daphne was just different to everybody else. I mean, she used to come in wearing look like a, you know, a dress of like an undead bride. Yeah. I know there's a character in, in TNA these days of Impact that is basically called the undead bride, um, Sue Young. I think that's that's her name. Uh, but that that was her character, or what I call living dead girl, like Rob Zombie effect. Yeah, it's yeah. you know the, just the black veil, and the, what always struck me was the little top hat. Yeah, you know the little <laughs> top hat on an angle. It's just like 
on 99.9% of people, that would look absolutely fucking ludicrous. Yeah. On Daphne, it looked ludicrous, but she fucking fit it, and she owned it. You know, she were absolutely fucking brilliant in everything I saw her in TNA, you know. But that video that you mentioned of uh, Crowbar cutting that incredible promo on Terry Funk, on Terry Funk, yeah. it, that is the thing, like... He, he just cut this amazing promo. I, I don't think you really mentioned what Daphne was actually doing. No, I didn't. She know. would just <laughs> she she would just stood a few feet behind up the, up the ramp from Crowbar, and all she's doing is she's got sparklers and she's lighting them up and she's dancing around with them like really comically, gurning with her face, sticking her tongue out, shaking her <laughs> fucking head all over the place. And it's like if there's any video you need to watch to get the Daphne Unger character, it's that. Yeah. Because I had never seen that before. <laughs> I was just on YouTube and I was actually looking up old Daphne, uh, Daphne matches from TNA. Mm. And, you know, I come off YouTube and I've gone back on to watch something else later on the night. And that was a suggested video. So I clicked on it, you know, not thinking like, oh shit, we're probably going to be covering this at some point. I just thought, oh yeah, I'll look at that. And honestly, I was in absolute hysterics at that. It was, it was kind of, it was quite harmful to the promo itself in many ways. You know, I had to watch it twice to really get the gist you know of the promo yeah because my my eyes were on Daphne mm. and fucking hell what a great performer just I've always talked about the nuance in wrestling and the nuances can really elevate a character or a wrestler and fucking hell she had nuances in spades yeah just so many different things and yeah it's it's a sad end to um her her life and her career um and yeah uh I, it, it's hard because in many ways i'd like to say i'll miss her but you know again i'm not really qualified to say that but all i'll say is that it's just a shame that i don't think a, any big company really truly got the best out of her they, i don't think they truly got her you know i think the fans got her yeah. but i don't think wcw got her you know, even though she was featured, you know, I think she could have done a hell of a lot more. Um, TNA, hell, hell yeah, she could have done a lot more there. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it fucking sucks that WWE passed up on her. Again, it, it goes back to the criteria in, in 2001. She didn't fit that fucking criteria at all. But holy shit, she would have been a great fucking performer for WWE. I think the, yeah, the entertainment aspects of the WWE, I think they could have done all kinds of things with her. Um and the one thing I will say about that is as well, you'll you'll find little pieces of Daphne in many characters in the WWE post uh, 2000, 2001, when she, obviously when she came into WCW and everything like that. I think Paige has a little bit to thank Daphne for. I think, you know, uh, Alexa Bliss even has a little bit to thank Daphne for. There's so many of these characters that uh, I've seen. Uh, yeah, uh, Gigi Dolan in NXT, yeah. she was, um, I, I can't remember... Uh, what I can't remember what her fucking name was on the indies now, and I really should know this because she was an accomplished wrestler. She was in AEW for a bit as well, but she, I know she was called like the Devil's Harlot and all that. And again, you you look at how she dressed and things like that. It, she she probably was a fan of Daphne growing up, or just seeing like videos. I won't say growing up because she's in her like early twenties, but she's probably like seeing videos and things like that, and just being inspired by by her. And it, even if she hasn't, if she hasn't done that. With WWE paying tribute to to Daphne and people paying tribute to Daphne, she's probably looked at some of that stuff and would say, right, okay, I can honour this person because she's a lot like I am. Yeah, uh, I could take like little bits of, you know, 
this and that. I mean, even uh, Nicky Cross. Nicky Cross was um, was saying in an interview last week, not, not an interview, actually it was on her Instagram. Uh, she did repeat it in an interview, but I read it on her Instagram first, which was saying that when she was down in NXT uh, doing the sanity uh, gimmick with Eric Young and bloody hell, can't even remember who else were in there, apart from Big Dame or Killian Dane, her husband, um, what what uh, Nikki Cross did uh, in tribute to Daphne was she wore jeans and a corset. Right. Yeah. Um, w- this really goes back to um, Nikki being in Shimmer with Daphne and becoming a close and personal friend with her. So when she made it to WWE, when she went to she paid tribute to one of her best friends and one of her confidants and somebody that always gave her advice in terms of uh, developing a character. I mean, there is a lot of Daphne in that Nikki Cross character from Sanity. Mm. You know, just the screaming and uh, the way she ran the ropes and just there are... The, the inspiration is palpable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let's not forget as well, and I know this is probably like kind of like a spoiler or whatever, but she is a one-time WCW Cruiserweight Champion. Only the second I did. woman to hold the title be uh, ahead of... Sorry, you wouldn't say ahead of, would you? After. After. Um, after somebody else, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I did um, see a picture of her with the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And wasn't Jacqueline a Cruiserweight Champion? Uh, it wasn't Jacqueline, no. I, I think she was in WWE. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I knew she was in WCW for a brief period, she weren't she? Um but you, all that's to come. Yeah, I, all that's to come because obviously it happens on on the flagship show, which is WCW Nitro. And I've, as I've said, I said I said it to uh, Crowbar on Twitter. I remember where I was actually when I said that. I was on a train up to Edinburgh, funnily enough. Um, and I said, honestly, you guys were like a shining light in what was all, what was basically a you know it was like an implosion of a wrestling show every Monday night. Those guys, I, I really, I loved them. I, th- I thought they were really good. Even you know David Flair and his limited wrestling ability, the fact that they were throwing him onto TV even though he wasn't ready and blah blah blah, the whole thing, just I don't know. I just I I, I had fun watching it, uh, and obviously she was a massive part of that. And it's really sad uh, that she's she's gone. Um, but at least, I mean, that must be testament to her character, really. That in WCW's darkest timeline. She was a shining light, yeah. Yeah. you know, amongst other people, of course. But I, I've always said it: even in the worst of wrestling, you can still find gold. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, and that's gonna. Holy shit! I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I'm not saying let's fast forward to fucking two thousand and look at it. You know, we'll take a pace. I mean, we're, we're, we've just got through one year of Nitro, and well, we're close to it now. And we've been doing this for nearly a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll get there in like 2025, guys. Well, uh, keep keep tuned in. I'm sure we'll see Daphne before then because obviously we have a little watch-alongs and stuff like that and there's every possibility that she'll crop up in the old TNA ones, uh, which we do for, from time to time. So, uh, yeah, Godspeed. That's, you know, that's the... That's the uh, that's all you can say, really, isn't it? It's just wonderful to see everybody on Twitter. Uh, not, not a platform that I really go on as much anymore. Uh, but seeing, still seeing so many people, you know, sharing so many stories, and as horrible as it is to say, to see so many people devastated that she's gone, you know, like um, 
it's it's a daily thing that I see. Like there's three or four tweets. Like Francine, you know, I I, I hope that everybody's sort of looking out for each other because obviously grief's a horrible, horrible thing. You know, we've experienced it, and you know, some of our most you know the most important people in our lives have, have sadly left left us. Um, I just hope that you know people like Francine and everything like that. They're um, you know they're being looked out for by other people who are handling it better than Francine is. Let's let's say that. Yeah, not to really drag out what we've been saying or anything, but that really underscores the reach that Daphne had yeah. because, yep. as far as I'm concerned, Francine wasn't anywhere else than ECW. Yeah, you know, I I don't I've never heard her be a part of WCW. I don't even think she ever made it to WWE, barring like the one night stands mm-hmm. or maybe dark matches or, or what have you. Maybe maybe uh, assisting Tommy Dreamer at some point. I honestly couldn't tell you, um, not off the top of my head anyway, but. After that uh, quote-unquote boom period of the late 90s and early 2000s, these people would have been running into each other in com- at conventions yep. or yep. small indie promotions and things like that. They're probably not going to... What I'm saying is that they, they wouldn't have been sharing a locker room week to week. They wouldn't have been on the, the road together all the time. These people would have just been bumping each, in, into each other at conventions and fan signings or, or what have you. And... It really goes to show that whoever Daphne met, they you know they loved her for her just her her natural persona, not her gimmick, but her just her as a person yeah. and a personality. I mean, there's a lot of that personality that come out in the character. Let's be let's be honest, yeah. it definitely was. But you know, I don't I don't know her personally, but there wasn't a single person that had a bad thing to say about her, and that is really fucking rare in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Really rare. Yeah. You could look at her and say, yeah, she's probably one of the nicest women or nicest people to have ever stepped foot in a wrestling ring. Yeah. And if that is her legacy, if her legacy isn't being a multi-time women's champion or, you know, a big star in in the big promotions or, or anything, if her legacy is being one of the nicest people to have ever stepped foot in the ring, well, fucking hell, that's a great legacy to have. Is, yeah, and people should aspire to that as well. And not think that you know being a being a dickhead or you know whatever gets you far in life, which it has done with other people. But if she if she can be a role model in that way, absolutely. Um, yeah, sweet soul, Le- and she'll be sorely Le- missed. Yeah, leave the politics at the door, basically. Yeah. Um, the other thing we'll touch on is uh, the fairly breaking news, really, and and there's not there's not much detail at this moment in time of uh, Triple H and uh, a, a quote cardiac event that he's had to have uh, a surgery or a, I don't know well every every surgery is major to me but um, he's had to have a surgery to either correct it or um, or to who knows because we don't actually know all the details but obviously we send our, our best wishes to Triple H as well I don't yeah, know if you uh, know any more about that or, or anything's yeah. come out all, all that's come out is what WWE posted on their official Twitter yesterday with the basically saying he's at, he, had, he had a cardiac event last week um, he had to have surgery, and I mean, any surgery on the heart is major yeah, surgery, no matter yeah. what way you're looking at it. It's it, it's the main organ of the body, for fuck's sake. You have to look at, you know, any surgery on that is big, it's major. And it, it does say he's expected to make a full recovery. So, you know, that that's good news, even though I, I'm always suspect um, of the term full recovery when it pertains to heart issues, because... Once there's a slight strain in that heart or what have you, you know, you're, you're not fully recovering from that. You can make life adjustments to extend your 
your lifespan or just just to combat it that you don't make full recovery from heart problems yeah. unfortunately so you know this is where people joking about fucking uh triple h on twitter today uh basically saying like yeah vince mcmahon took control of nxt and this is and triple h has a heart attack you know fucking leave it at the door that is absolutely classless at the end of the day you know this is a very serious issue and a man could could still have died and you're saying you're justifying it, saying, "Oh yeah, well he's, he's expected to make a full recovery." It's like, how do you fucking know anything? Yeah, you know, how does WWE know anything? All they're listening to is the doctor's advisor. You know, doctors with a prognosis or diagnosis, whatever you fucking call it. But you could tell I didn't go to medical school. But <laughs> you know, they're, they're listening to the doctors, the surgeons, the experts who's saying that he's expected to make a recovery, a full recovery to the, you know, to the best possible. You know, that is. To the best possible outcome, anyway, mm. you know, it, you know, it, it's gonna be fine. But a man still could have fucking died. It's still a heart problem. Heart problems can be reoccurring, even though they say, you know, oh yeah, it, it'll be fine and all that. Like I said, you don't fully recover from these fucking problems. You just simply do not. And yeah, just poking fun at that, you know, you, you, you've got to be a fucking prick to think that's funny. Yeah, you do. And to try and justify it. And he's, he'd be if he if he passed away believing his kids behind and everything and then it's not like Ex- they're you know they're exactly. not grown up you know they're, they're young kids like come on have yeah. a heart i'm not the biggest triple h fan in the world but ain't no way no. i fucking wish death on the guy fucking also hell. people justifying it to say no yeah well he's buried this person he's done that it's like you're touching a fucking person on what he's done in wrestling yeah it's like get out the wrestling bubble for one fucking minute here yeah Leave, leave all that to one fucking side and realise that this is a human being that isn't fucking perfect. He's far from it and he's made mistakes and surely, you know, a lot of them he's learnt from. But he's still a human being that's got a wife and kids and, you know, extended family and a, a fucking lot of friends, yeah. you know, and colleagues that care for him and, or NXT stories that clearly look up to him. And it, it he could have been seconds away from being dead. You know, just have a heart. Yeah. You know, there's just some things that you should never, ever joke about. No. Nope. Ever. No. Nope. And that is one of them. And it's the same as what you were saying earlier on. Treat other people how you'd like to be treated, but also just think about the legacy that you're leaving because you are, you know, you're on the internet now and you are forever on the internet. You think deleting a tweet gets deleted? Nah, it doesn't, mate. It stays on a server. So just be careful what you're saying, you know. And one day, you, you know, you might be identified Anonymous have done it a few times and, you know, they give out the addresses of people who are complete fucking dickheads, so I bet you fucking calm the fuck down. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, the natural nitrogen podcast boy is going to come round and fucking cave your skull in. We're not even joking. Knock, <laughs> knock on the door like fucking Steve Flutter and Chris Masters, that poor lad yeah. that was uh, not uh, selling knockoff PCW DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> no, just... I, I don't, I, you know, we're we're not we're not dickheads like fucking Stephen Flutter, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but we still won't oh, wish shit. death on Stephen Flutter, you know. <laughs> no, no, obviously not. You know, fucking hell, we're actually digging a hole here. <laughs> not for Stephen, not for Stephen Flutter for ourselves. No, you just you you don't have to like people, but you certainly don't need to react that way towards them. Uh, but the wrestling, you know, the wrestling internet community, um, internet wrestling community, if that if that even exists anymore, it never changes, and it's a uh, it's a real shame. Anyway, uh, to, to those listeners who haven't switched off now, uh, after <laughs> after you threatened to fucking bludgeon Triple H with a not bludgeon him with, with a, a a baseball bat, just yeah, just wishing death on him. If you are still listening, 
hello and welcome to the Nitrogen Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Marvelous Mark Ashworth, with co-host. Uh, sorry, I was just thinking, like, after all that, after, after that round, it's like, <laughs> this was a paid advertisement. Yeah. On the part of the... <laughs> uh, but, sorry. yeah, other, other than, obviously, all that, I, I, was, I was everything else with you, Brian. I, I, was, I was live treating you. Yeah, yeah. You know, same old, same old. Happy days. <laughs> you know, well, uh, work, working too much, sweating my fucking bollocks off, you know. I mean, what's different? Well... I'm I'm um, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret, folks. There is um, I don't know. There's a dude jacking it right across from my house, and I've had to shut the curtain because uh, yeah, it's disturbing. <laughs> Normally, when I'm doing these podcasts in the studio, I look out of the window. I don't I don't want to look at screens. You know, I'm a fucking I don't know weirdo like that. Um, I'm not looking out into the into the out of the window for any sort of perverse voyeuristic reason. Yeah, he's not there with a fucking uh, telescope and a box of donuts. No, like, no. Just fucking looking at the guy across the road we with saying, a jacking off. But... We were saying earlier, before obviously we started recording, we've, we've had like a monsoon and, you know, a thunderstorm, lightning storm. You know, the the clouds upstairs, they, they put on a real show for us earlier on after a, a day of sweltering heat and it's boiling now. Um, I'm one of them people that does like to just wide open the window, put my feet up, and just I can look into the sky and look into the sky for hours and just think and think and think and and you know just just put the world's wrongs to rights in my own head. Unfortunately, uh, the dude and I don't know how old he is. Like I I, I don't want to know to be perfectly honest, but he's <laughs> over there and he's beating it. Uh, and yeah, I just shut the curtain. <laughs> I was like, you deserve some privacy. It's a shame you right. can't shut your own fucking curtain. <laughs> Seriously, do you have to use the fucking term beat it? Because all I can think of is Michael Jackson. Beat it, beat it, beat it. You know, to every fucking wrist movement. So thank you for putting that image in my head, Mark. No worries. Absolutely no problem. That is what I am here for, and that's what this podcast does. <laughs> we are a an audio representation of the visual elements of WCW Nitro. This is Nitro number 51. And 51. beyond. <laughs> yes, and beyond. It is 51, isn't it? It is, it is yes. 51. I wanted to make absolutely sure that I got that right, because Eric Bischoff, yeah. Bischoff gets it wrong in this episode. Uh, Twi- <laughs> I, I, he's not the only one. He's not the only one that gets it wrong. Oh, if other people got it wrong as well, I must have missed that. Yeah, Tony, Tony gets the the week right, but he gets the anniversary wrong. Ah, uh, yes. Several times, and Eric Bischoff does the same as well. Yeah. You know. Well, this is the 2nd of September, 1996. Uh, obviously, they are. How many days? How many days away from the birthday? Four, three. Um, what was it? The fifth of September. It, yeah, I thought you went in real time then. No, 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 no. In in the old, say, we've got to put ourselves in the in the fra- in, in the frame of mind of nineteen ninety six. Oh shit, we probably better not fucking do that actually. Yeah, <laughs> the the three day the three days from their official anniversary. Yeah, yeah. But they are a a week away from the. The, the one year anniversary officially but uh yeah but that, that's also really fucking weird considering that see this is the thing that i don't understand like how americans do their the anniversary type thing it's like uh the 30th anniversary of wrestlemania wasn't the 30th anniversary it was the 29th yeah, yeah. you know that kind of thing like it, it's always a thing that sticks in my craw uh but yeah um obviously i think this would have been a leap year as well which is why uh, this episode was on the what no no that wouldn't work it wouldn't work you know because you think you think a year later it it will be okay yeah so we're on the fifth last year so it will be on the fourth this year yeah so yeah so this was on september 2nd or 
were it Se- Se- September second? Second, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know how it's fucking worked out that way, but yeah, the the the, the official fifty two weeks, you know, fifty uh, episode fifty two is next week, and yeah. you know that that's falling on the ninth, so. Yeah, it's four days out. Oh, it's really fucking weird, this. Yeah, it is bizarre. It is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, so I will say one thing. After all this all this gumph, uh, I apologise to Tony, and I don't apologise to Eric, fucking 53rd. You know, no, it's not episode 53, dickhead. No, it's not. It's episode 51. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, apart, you know, I, I, I apologise. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's the uh, that's the area, and the UTC Arena is the arena. Um, oh, I haven't got how many people were there, but it wasn't a sellout anyway. You can see a lot of seats in the old uh, in the old nosebleeds, and it's the usual commentary team uh, for the first hour. Now, I've got to put a disclaimer. You must have heard what we were talking about on the last episode of the Night Gem Podcast there, Brian, where we were talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, I'm going to name this episode Buffer the Nitro Delayer because <laughs> I had nothing but issues watching this. <laughs> nothing, but honestly. And what was it? An hour and 25 minutes episode. And I think it took me nigh on like two hours and 10 minutes to watch it. Um, through, my, through my own sheer laziness because I didn't want to switch to, you know, the PC or switch to an Xbox as, as Brian did suggest to me. Um, and the other thing I, I've got to note as well is that I'm not unwell. Uh, I sound very deep. I was at a gig last night, the first gig that I've been to since, well, first you know heavily attended gig that I've been to since probably you know well well before the pandemic and everything like that. So went healthy lever. Didn't have a beer, Brian. Oh no! Oh, wow. I had two pints of Pepsi, and I tell you what, fucking hell, what a night, what an absolute. Well, well that would have been one white, uh, one pint of Pepsi because it's half fucking water. <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of ice in there as well. Yeah, you you're right to be fair. Um, yeah, but yeah. What a Who night. did you go to see? Hey, who did you go to see? Uh, the Wild Eyes. Ah, yeah. So it is a funny thing, right? Because uh, there's people in our in my circle that you you've probably spoken to on occasion, just like through tags on the post and things like that. You just end up getting caught up in conversation. Yeah, you know. But you probably don't follow each other on Twitter or like that. Um, but you're probably aware of each other, semi-aware, what have you. And you were both at the same fucking gig last night. Ah, yeah. Fucking yeah. Hell. So. Shout out to David Connell. Um, yes, uh, Tiger of Sudan on Twitter. If anybody wants to follow him, get him some new followers. Oh, he's, he's a, a Wild really, fan, is he? He's a really nice guy and he's a big Wild Arts fan. Excellent, so. good choice. And his, his missus, uh, Caris, she was the one that did the tattoo on my leg. So, there you go. Brilliant stuff. They are. It's not even six degrees of separation, that is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's, about, it's about 30 degrees. <laughs> Just yeah. like the fucking temperature. That's mad. It's mad. If I'd have known, if I'd have known, obviously, I'd have uh, gone and chatted to him or whatever, you know. But, yeah, obviously, everybody's still, well, having said that, no, I'd say, like, 80% of the people in there, it's, you know, all bets are off, all masks are off and everything like that. (laughs) We might have been the only three stood there, sort of fucking, like, like Kenny, uh, (laughs) all the way through, though. Obviously, you drink, you drink. So I just pulled the mask up, have a drink, and then pull it back down again. I was, oh, we had a photo taken as well. So, obviously, I pulled the mask off for for the photo, but I'm still heavily aware about all that sort of stuff and and yeah but this isn't this isn't covid this is just me singing my fucking heart out for an hour uh an hour and a half however long it was and you know it's the old fucking rock and roll so it's going to do a little bit of damage to the vocal cords at least behind your mask you don't get the ugly singing verse no one <laughs> yeah. actually fucking sees it so <laughs> you, you, you get some people that have a good singing verse and you get other people that that have a really bad singing verse yeah. it's kind of like um like 
the all face of the fucking it's basically that you know you either have a good one or you don't yeah and, <laughs> yeah and I, i'm one of those people that definitely does not have a good singing face and i've, I've seen myself in gig photos and i'm like oh my fucking god <laughs> like you know i look like a fucking fish out of spongebob bloody screaming when i bloody sing <laughs> my eyes <laughs> Well, fuck it. We're not there to have your photos taken, are we? We're, we're there to have a fucking good time. And if it looks like we're having a good time, well, that's all that matters, isn't it, really? Exactly. There we go. Uh, so, right, let's jump into this. We've talked long enough. Uh, obviously, we start with a, a recap from the previous week and DBS's appearance, uh, quick celebrations of the second year of WCW Nitro, as you were alluding to. And there was... Um, I actually need to ask you this because, again, we talk about your 4K TV and I hope you're watching it on your 4K TV. Oh, always, always, man. Always. How were this week's um, wardrobe uh, choices for you? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, yes. Uh, honestly, he hasn't asked this off the cuff. I did message him last night about this. I was just saying, like, fucking Tony's shirt here, it's like, a, it's, it's like a half and half. It's like it's half olive green, and the other half, it's got this weird, uh, like a darker shade of green, chocolate brown and white print. It's really weird. And I, I, I just, I thought to myself, it's like, it looks like a black market knockoff Nike Nigeria International shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking awful. Fucking nine. It, honestly, I was thinking last night, like, with that kind of shirt, he could have been in Friends. Because <laughs> friend, Friends fashion is notoriously bad. And this looks like straight out that wardrobe. Yeah, it's, it could have been one of the shirts and could I be wearing any more clothes? Skit. <laughs> it could have yes. been in there, yeah. Yeah, Chandler does wear shirts like that, so there you go. But uh, awful. Yeah, Barry looks pretty cool, though. Did you think? I mean, so, I, if you hadn't mentioned it, to be honest, I don't think I would have brought it up. But then you mentioned it, so when I was watching the episode, I was thinking to myself, "Is Larry wearing a Lion King T-shirt?" <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's it's like, it's a red shirt, but it's got like a a weird pattern on it. Yeah, I can't couldn't quite make it out. Even on 4K, I couldn't quite make it out. But it's got this like. A, a nice red coloured shirt with a black blazer or a black sports coat. But the thing is with, with Larry, he can pull those kind of looks off. Yeah, he does. So yeah. it, it works. It works for him. He's a fucking living legend. Yes. Uh, Tony Schiavone, not so much. Not yet, anyway. You know, <laughs> Tony Schiavone has notoriously had bad fashion throughout this because we, we had it at Hogwild. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the helmet and the fucking je- jean shorts and all yep. that. And the and the uh, the um, what they call it the uh, the leather waist got the cut. Yeah, uh, it's about K U T T E, uh, not C U T. And the oversized wedding uh, tux oh, at Back to the Beach '96. Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, that's to be the one that goes down in infamy as well. <laughs> yeah, Cle- clearly, clearly WWE, uh, WWE WCW didn't have a good enough budget for the wardrobe, so they just. I I'll wear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well. Speaking of budgets, just quickly. Um, obviously, it, it was on Eric uh, Eric Bischoff's podcast that the uh, production budget didn't cover for WCW to have video walls, which is the reason because we've we've said this a couple of times on the podcast. I thought it was worth mentioning that um, the crowd needs to know what's going on as well. And they actually, um, I can't remember if it's this episode. It, it, I, I did watch a teeny, 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 tiny bit of the next episode as well. Um, it might have been in that segment where it says the fans don't don't know what's going on right now, uh, and yeah, Eric, that's because you're not giving them any facility to fucking see what's going on right now. So he puts it down it to the uh, to the production budget of of Turner and TNT and and whatever else for WCW, which National. is yeah, which is such fucking bullshit. By the way, like yeah, you know, 
Okay, yeah, you don't have video roles, funny production budget, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it doesn't count for it. Fair enough, what have you. So why fucking have all these backstage skits then? Yeah. That's just for the TV audience. And when, the, I mean, I, I go back to that massive attack by the NWO, the, the statement attack, let's just call yeah. it, uh, at uh, Disney MGM. And that was a good prolonged attack. Yeah, I mean, 20-odd minutes of the show there. Yeah. And fans didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. Yeah. That, it, 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 it's such a shame. Like, you can give the fucking public enemy or the nasty boys who fucking everybody pyro. You can't have <laughs> a screen, one single fucking screen. Yeah. You know. Just I, a little I, TV, I, that's all you fucking need, yeah. I, I can't, I can't really, I'm, I'm not an expert on the, the on production or anything like that to really understand the cost of a bloody video wall or it like that. However, I'm pretty sure that pyro is a lot more fucking expensive. Well, hell yeah. And you shit fucking money away doing that. Yeah, yeah. And you shit Sting up quite a lot. He'd probably take life without <laughs> Pyro. So, yeah, scale it back on Sting and just fucking put put out a few fucking TV screens that are clubbing together. It's not hard. Um, anyway, we've got that out of the way. So we're going to start off with uh, me taking a break. Uh, so, <laughs> singles match here, Brian. Uh, I'm glad you took it as well because I was waiting forever, forever, forever for you to reply. Um Whilst I was, was asleep. <laughs> no, I was literally watching it. Uh, and I texted you, did you take this one? And then I saw the dot, 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 dot. So I carried on watching it, not writing anything. And then I got to the end of the match and then rewound it all the way to the beginning because I didn't get a message back. And then it turned out it was Signal playing up. So I had to open the app to get the message. It's like, fuck's sake. So I didn't have to rewind it all. So, yes, yes. over to you. So, also, when you were texting me this afternoon, I ran and I was asleep because after I finished work, I'm like, yeah, I need a fucking nap. Yeah, dude, I wish I could have done that yeah. today. Yeah, I needed to get some energy back, uh, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the opening contest of this natural is Diamond Dallas Page versus my boy, Alex Wright. So this is why I said I was going to take this match, because it's technically a cruiserweight match without being a cruiserweight match. I mean, DDP can do like little bits and bobs, like, you know, he's uh, an incredible all-round wrestler. So, yeah, I thought, we only got one more cruiserweight match in this, and... Okay, I'll I'll take the reins for this one because I enjoyed it so much. Um, in the entrances, I actually noticed that WWE's dubbing of DDP's theme, which is a rip off of Jimmy Hart's rip off of Smells Like Teen Spirit, <laughs> it actually sounds more like the more like Smells Like Teen Spirit than Jimmy Hart's rip off. <laughs> so I I seriously hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Yeah, you know I, I'm pretty sure that they probably paid more fucking royalties as a result of that. Than fucking what WCW had to when they got caught out for fucking ripping off themes. If they have to pay royalties for it, because it's like, oh, the, you know, the the amounts of notes changed and all that. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Hart got away with it. Uh, yeah. WWE, you definitely have not. No. You definitely not. Did I ever really talk about uh, uh, Food Fighters being on? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the show. It was an MTV show back in like the late nineties. Um, it, I think it was called SNM or something like that. I can't quite remember, but um, there was a, an actual angle between Raven and Diamond Dallas Page. And Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins actually sat down and they're being interviewed. And next thing you know, you see fucking Diamond Dallas Page and Raven fighting. And then uh, one of the themes plays, and obviously Raven's theme is a rip-off of Come As You Are. And the moment this fucking theme just plays, Dave Grohl just has the most confused and pissed-off look on his face. <laughs> I have not it's seen like, this. 
Yeah, I can't find the video footage. I've oh. been looking for it for ages, and I can't find it. I have seen it, but I saw it years and years ago. I heard about it on another podcast, so I had to look it up, and I found it, and now I can't find it. Even on Daily Motion, it just doesn't exist. But there are images of Dave Grohl actually sat down <laughs> and D- uh, DDP and Raven having a fucking fight because for some reason, WCW managed to have an angle on MTV, who are most notorious for being a partnership you know good partner of wwe so it's really fucking weird to me that yeah they did they did have like a a a beach thing i can't remember what it was on mtv um where a few of the cruiserweights wrestled i I remember i remember seeing that that is on daily motion i just had to laugh that you said it's not even on daily motion like daily motion is like the black internet or some shit you know the underground yeah (laughs) that's where we go to get all the copyrighted material (laughs) yeah i'm just saying usually if you can't fucking find it on youtube it's on Daily yeah. Motion. If it's been taken down off YouTube, then the fucking French will eat. The French don't give a shit about copyright. Yeah, we'll leave it on. <laughs> I love it. I just fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I can relate as well. When Dark Side of the Ring's <laughs> on, uh, and I, I fucking love it, and I'd support them any which way I can, but in the UK, we have to wait like a year for a season to come over. In fact, all four still have season two. We haven't even touched season three in the UK yet. So you've got three and- options. Torrance, Daily Motion, or... Uh, VPNs and you know or, it's just fucking mayhem. Or if you had if you had Sky, then you have Vice, you know the Vice TV channel. And I was actually looking for because I had a few episodes recorded and I watched and I couldn't fucking find them in my library. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? So I go through all the bloody channels. Vice isn't there anymore. It's been completely taken oh, off. It's it. gone. So yeah, so all fucking Dark Side of the Ring season one, two, and three that I had bloody recorded or whatever season one or two. Sorry, uh, they're all gone. Yeah. So I'm actually I'm actually pretty pissed off about that. But speaking of um, the uh, B season of of season three is about to start in America. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, is it second the, half. Seventeenth, I think it starts. Yeah, yeah, you got Plane Ride from Hell on that, so that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, Chris Canyon as well. Yeah, that's that's the second one. Mm. Uh, there was another one that caught my eye, uh, and oh yeah, it was the steroid trial. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, after listening to a podcast um, um, with the audio reading of Walking the Golden Mile from William Regal. I would like to see an episode on him if he agrees to it, yeah. because fucking hell, he's got some horror stories that I don't think he's ever spoken about on like podcasts. Or, like, he kind of glosses over his substance abuse. He just says, "Oh yeah, whatever happened in those times, you know, be it, I got fired from WCW or you know the the real man's man gimmick in WWE, you know, it's what I deserve for being such a fuck up." Basically, that's what he says. He doesn't really go into grave detail, yeah. but in the book, it's like holy shit. Um, it wasn't easy listening. I was listening to it at work this morning before the store opened, and it, it was quite hard to listen, to be honest with you. Really fucking hard, mm. uh, fourth installment, because it really goes into what he was abusing his body with, and outside of the obvious names like Jet Set, uh, Snake Roberts, I've never heard out like it. I really haven't. It's, it's grim. Absolutely yeah. grim. So, yeah, if he... Ag- if he agrees to it, that will be an interesting bloody episode. Yeah. And you know, and you know, coming from him, it's facts as well because he's open and honest about his substance abuse. And fucking hell, it's it's good to see that he's in such a good place these days. And he looks fucking amazing at his age yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, you can't say that many many people in that have gone through such fucking substance abuse. You know, and they're in their early fifties, and you can say, yeah, that guy's a hunk. 
Look at Anthony Kiedis, for fuck's sake. I mean, he, he, looks, he looks like he's in his fucking 70s and he's really like 50-odd, you know? <laughs> and you, you've also got fucking Steve Tyler, who, you know, it literally looks like he's just walked out of a coffin. You know, he, he just looks fucking... He looks awful. Uh, yeah, uh, and he's in his, like, 70s as well, so... Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, half-dust himself, so... <laughs> That's because he's a solid fucking sniffed all his life. <laughs> <laughs> you are what you eat, yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what's he been eating, then? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. I do not want to know. We all know what Bruce Dickinson were eating, and we all know what happened to him, so... Anyway. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. Wow, what, uh, what hasn't he eaten, sniff, drank? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll eat a bat, why not? Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I seriously hope that bats isn't a part of his diet these days, fucking after the last year. Hell no. Or the last 18 months, <laughs> or so. Oh, God. Yeah, don't want fucking Elsie Osborne starting another fucking pandemic. Uh, let's, you know, let's move on. Let's yes. move on. Uh, so DDP versus Alex Wright. This is a match that's happened, and we've not spoken about it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone from DDP's theme to Dave Grohl to MTV to fucking. <laughs> we've just fucking spiraled. <laughs> People have fucking turned off. Oh god, they're talking about music. Ready for the wrestling? Uh, well, we'll give you wrestling. Uh, DDP gets the advantage of the lockup. I've typed lack up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Good start. <laughs> Oh, Let's try this again. DB gets the advantage of the lockup, keeping a kipping up my uh, right grounded with a hammerlock. Wright manages to escape with a drop kick over the top rope and a sweet suicide crossbody. Back in the ring, Wright hits what I can only describe as a slingshot Vader bomb. Uh, I really don't know what if there's an actual name for this, so I've just called it Das Wunderbomb. It was good. Uh, I think. Yeah, it's really, really good how he does it, but I, I scoured the internet last night. I scoured Cage Match, scoured fucking fandom, everything to try and find a name for that move. Can't find it. So that's Thunderbomb. That's what I'm calling it, and that's what I'll call it henceforth. Like if it. I remember, you know, absolute majestic move. Uh, the pin attempt, and it fails obviously. Wright runs the ropes and ducks DDP's advances, but an attempted flying lariat is missed, and Wright crashes into the top rope, which looked really fucking nasty because he landed chest first. Yeah. You cannot not wind yourself when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. The. DDP firmly in control with heel tactics galore to wear down right before, before hitting a picture-perfect side salt, which the crowd goes absolutely nuts for. Like, DDP's fucking over here. Like, I can't believe how over he is. Yeah. And he's still a heel. It's like, that first turn, it's not far away, is it? No. You can no. tell the momentum is actually shifting into the real people's champion, let's call it. Sorry, Rock. DDP did it first. <laughs> DDP does his usual stuff, wasting time before a pin attempt, and it costs him as Wright kicks out before he hits a sensational sit-down powerbomb for two, which I wouldn't have minded actually being the finish. I mean, that would have been a really good secondary finisher for DDP, that sit-down powerbomb. Yep. The way he clutches his, leg around, uh, his arms around the legs as he drops, oh, fucking hell, it just looks good. And you can tell, safe as houses as well. Mm. You know, that's the one thing about DDP, like, all the moves that he hits, they look really, really safe. Yeah. Even... You know, even the fucking uh, diamond cutter, which was brutal. You can tell it's safe as well. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> right rallies with a belly-to-belly suplex for a two-count, then a fiery comeback with dri- uh, drop kicks and punch spots. Right Irish switch DDP, but quick as you fucking like. Oh, but sorry, uh, let's go back. Right Irish switch DDP into the corner, but quick as you fucking like, literally out of nowhere. 
DDP launches himself before a right could throw up on his like you know that rebounding body salt setup thing yeah. where he just runs up and does a back salt to to do it usually it's usually for a setup for a drop kick or something like that. Before he can get up off his knees, DDP out of nowhere just kicks him and then hits a diamond cutter and it's all over. I mean, I don't really think I described that really, really well, but that was an incredible finish. Absolutely fucking brilliant. It was. Uh, uh, Gotta say, you know, uh, DDP, well, obviously, out. DDP wins, of course, but a really fun outing. I mean, it were only like four minutes, something like oh, that. 3.44, you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, even less than what I thought, you know, but it was a... For, for the amount of time they got, they really packed a lot in. It was a really fun outing. Yeah. Uh, but oh God, justice for Alex Wright, because he doesn't win. He just simply doesn't win on TV, does he? No. <laughs> I mean, last week last week he got a fucking concussion in an angle, but uh, I don't think he actually really got a concussion. If he didn't, he was okay. I mean, he's obviously wrestling fine. Uh, but yeah, he just doesn't get wins. And uh, I don't mind him losing to DDP, because DDP's got a mega push coming up, but... Come on, Alex Wright deserves more fucking wins. He's a really good wrestler. Yeah, I'm just really glad he's wrestler, back on Nitro so. for two weeks on, on the bounce. Yeah, yeah, he's that's, that's so a real good thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been unlucky with knee injuries, so yeah, uh, there, there has been that. I said knee injuries, yeah. I think he's only had the one knee injury. You know, that he were out for quite a couple... He was like out for two months or something like that, weren't he? I don't know. But, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Hopefully this is the start of something special for Alex Wright because again, like two weeks in a row, short matches, but he's fucking brought it both yeah. times. They were fast paced as well. I liked it. Which, oh, uh, oh yeah, really, really snappy. I, I tell you something. This whole show, like one minute twenty five, usually it takes me like three fucking four hours to get through the show. I whizzed through this watching it last night. Obviously, I went to stop and start to take notes of certain matches and that, yeah. but um, overall, like I'd say about two hours I spent on this episode last night. That's not and, bad going. Yeah, not bad going at all. No. Uh, wish wish you could fucking spend two hours on this show as well, but unfortunately, <laughs> buffering issues and all that. But. That's it. It just sort of just stopped whenever it wanted to. Oh man. Yeah. Later on, like it stopped on like Kevin Sullivan's face, and I fucking tried to take a photo of it because it was fucking hysterically hilarious. You'd have loved it. <laughs> and you know, literally, you know, as soon as you press click on your camera, it's gonna fucking unpause itself, and that's exactly what it did. But seriously, he's getting he's getting a chop, and his face is just fucking hilarious. Honestly. His face, he looked like like Percy off Thomas the Tank when he used to play his face, you know. Like, proper, like, fucking hilarious. It really was. I'm just gutted I couldn't yeah. get there in time. Basically, Nick Patrick. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, every match, I'm looking for the eyes now. Yeah. Every, you know, something's going to fucking happen. And on a few occasions, he has the wide eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even in this promo, by the way, do you want to take it away, Mark? There is, or? yeah. Well, uh, I'm just going to add at the end. Obviously, they do the replays for the match, and uh, you can see people going absolutely fucking mental for the diamond cutter. Uh, like oh yeah, saying, I, DDP. I glossed over that, didn't I? Just completely yeah. over. So, um, but that's pretty much all I wrote. I said, just yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, as you say, post match with uh, Nick Patrick and Mean Gene. Gene accuses Patrick of being slow on the draw, and Patrick defends himself by saying WCW backs him 110% by reviewing everything and saying that there's right. nothing wrong. Uh, right, by the way, did you notice Nick Patrick being slow in this match? Uh, I fucking didn't. No, I didn't, no. No, I thought he was fine in this match, yeah. so he, he actually, in kayfabe, he, he can call Mean Gene a liar because fucking hell, Mean Gene was clearly lying. Yeah. Mean Gene is wearing glasses this week. Yeah, he is. Well, he's not usually wearing glasses. This week he's wearing glasses. I mean, what kind of fucking glasses are they? Are they slow motion fucking glasses? (laughs) 
wears Wally glasses because they're the big round spectacles. They're clearly not fucking working for him, are they? No, that match was 20 minutes for him. (laughs) Yeah. um, He does say... Uh, WCW backs him. They've reviewed all his uh, all his matches and they've they've said that everything's fine, which is it's it's, it's obviously a lie. Um, yeah. But then if you start thinking about it, well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? Because if WCW were reviewing his performance, they'd be like, well, hang on a minute, you've been a bit dodgy there, mate. So we're probably not going to put you <laughs> out on Nitro. We'll we'll delegate you or relegate you to to I was going to say Thunder then, but that doesn't exist yet. Like WCW Pro or some shit like that. Um, but no, he's here on Nitro, and to be fair, he's on this Nitro quite a bit. Um, he says that it other... was all. Go on. Oh, continue. Sorry. All right. Um, he says even though other referees have made mistakes, Gene and people continue to harass him and point at, point the finger at him, uh, and he calls out Gene as he said for being a liar, and then sort of just walks off backstage. Um, we got to a break. Really good. Go it was really good promo by Patrick for a referee. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah. I, I mean, just like everything, everything the. Uh, just the verbiage and the way he presents himself and all that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Nick. Yeah. I mean, you could actually be... It, it's no wonder they're making a character out of the guy because he can fucking go on the mic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's better than like 90% of the fucking roster here. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, better than Hoovy Guerrero, that's for sure. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I don't remember many of Nick Patrick's promos. I remember, I remember maybe one of them. This wasn't it, but I remember one of them. And I do, I do remember thinking... Maybe it was when I was younger, and that's probably why I have such a disdain for Nick Patrick. But he just has a face that I don't like as well. So, <laughs> and obviously what he what he did, you know, in '97 and fucking blah blah blah. But the way he's it's handling still himself... real to me, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Look, dude, you're told to do one thing, and you're fucking cocking up, and it's the fucking <laughs> it's the Everest of the fucking storyline. You're right at the fucking top. You just had to do one simple thing, and it's not even fucking Hoganish thing that fucks it up. You piece of shit. Anyway. Ah, you're on about Starkey at 97. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, um, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, but he does... He, he handles himself superbly in these fucking promos. Like you say, he's, he's fucking... He's ridiculously good. Like, he shouldn't be this good. I know. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, he, he actually... It's really fucking weird to say this. Fucking 2001, mad time in wrestling, post-WCW, even though WCW kind of existed on WTV at this point. Yeah. He had a fucking match with Earl Hebner. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> and that, funnily enough, right, I remember as a kid, I was watching that fucking stone-faced, like really fucking pissed off. Why the fuck are Earl Hebner, a referee that I don't like, because I didn't like him in WWE, for very similar reasons why I, uh, I didn't like Nick Patrick. And Nick Patrick, and I don't like because he's WCW, because I'm a kid and I fucking buy into Kayfabe and <laughs> WWE was my fucking brand. Fucking how time changes, by the way. And I'm like... Why the fuck are these cunts wrestling? And I hated the match. It was at uh, Invasion, yeah. uh, I think. And I hated the match. I absolutely fucking hated it. And then I watched it like two years ago. And I, I watched the promo. And it's basically like, this is a WCW locker room. You don't hang your shirts up in here or, or whatever. And it's like the weirdest fucking thing. And seeing all these referees brawling and all that. And I'm like, I fucking love this. <laughs> And actually, the match they had, it was just, it was shit, yeah, it but was. it was fun shit. It was just, you can't expect them to have a competent wrestling match, but it, these two, like, guys in their fucking late 40s, early 50s, what it reminded me of, uh, two drunken knobheads in a pub 
fucking having a go with each other and having a brawl over the tables and, you know, clearly not try, you know, they're trying to fucking, I nearly said fist each other, punch each other and what have you. And it, it's not going so well, they're fucking missing and all that. So they're just fucking slamming their heads against the fucking floor and all this and, you know, just rolling around and all. It's literally that. And it's just so fucking fun watching these two referees in referee shirts as well, <laughs> having a fucking fight on WWE TV. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd, go out your way to watch it, guys. I'd select <laughs> if you've got to five minutes. About it, to be honest, <laughs> I had, and you've had, you've had to bring it back into my brain. If I, I remember, like one point, Earl Ebner is just all over fucking Nick Pat. Like when you said trying to fist each other, he almost kind of was. <laughs> but it was it's just like old man yeah, fights you oh, know. seriously seriously I, I can imagine these fucking uh, Earl Hebner fisting Neil, uh, Nick Patrick and Nick Patrick having that face on the wide eyes <laughs> so thank you for putting that image in my head oh dear oh, then man. again I, I started the genesis of that conversation didn't I true I fucking deserved it I deserve... no it can't have been invasion you know it can't have been no it was was it I just looked it up yeah invasion invasion wow. 2001 fucking hell shit me it was WCW versus WWE. Well, WC, uh, WWE versus the Alliance. The Alliance, Because yeah. ECW had joined in at this point. Yeah. yeah, it was on that. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Obviously, Kidman wrestled and stuff like that, didn't he? And it was it were a fucking stonker of a match. Real fucking good one. Um, yeah. There were a couple it, of good ones in that, actually. Yeah, it were uh, Kidman versus X-Pac, weren't it? Yeah, it were. Yeah. And it were yeah. Right, five on five in main event. Yeah, something like that. Fucking weird, weird. Thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. That were that were a good match. It was, it was that match and Jeff Hardy versus Rob Van Dam. Yeah, those were the two matches that I really, really enjoyed. Oh, actually, now that you mention it, the fucking opening match on it as well, tag team match. It were uh, Edge and Christian versus Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. Oh yeah, fucking. Oh, hell. what a match! What? what a match that were. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever seen Mike Awesome as well, and. By definition, he was fucking awesome. Another another uh, wrestler that passed away way before his time, obviously had his own issues. Another sad one, but fucking hell. Real, I'm really looking forward to seeing more Mark Awesome uh, stuff. In I, I think he, he joins WCW in like 99 or 2000, something like that. Yeah. I know, I know he has like a fat chick thriller gimmick <laughs> or something like that, but um, but again, like if he's wrestling, you know, if, it, take away the gimmick and just watch him as a wrestler, yeah. you know, doing his stuff and... You know, a fucking six foot seven guy that can moonsault like he can. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing Awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, I think a lot of his better stuff was in ECW, but uh, yeah. there's some there's some good stuff in WCW as well. Just like I said, just ignore the gimmicks. Uh, <laughs> it's a shame. Again, he's one of them that it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like WCW got him. Um, WWE didn't get him either. No, true. Yeah, you're right. And, if, and like, on his first night in WWE, he won a title as well. Like, you thought, okay. They obviously see something in him, yeah. and then it just dissipates pretty quickly. Yeah. And he has that tag team match, and then after that, he's like getting the odd match on SmackDown and the odd match on Heat, and then that's it. That's it for him. They just don't pick his contract up. They just let him go, and that's that's such a shame because you you really just you let go one once in a generation talent there, mm. and I don't say that lightly. Mm. That just that, that's how fucking good he was. Yeah. Yeah, two thousand. We'll uh, we'll get to see him. Um, one person we're going to get to see again is uh, Gene Auckland. You better get used to this, folks, because he's on this show a lot. Uh, yeah. And he's with they've gone they've gone from a break, come back from a break, and they are advertising the new denim shirt from the WCW Nitro range, which 
looks very 90s, can't lie. It is. Yeah, it, it, it's with George Michael here. It's with George uh, Michael. <laughs> Buff Bagwell in the fucking denim shirt. Like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, all, 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 all I had, like, I, I just saw uh, Bagwell in that denim shirt. And all I could think of, ooh, I got have faith. That's all I could think of in this. I, did, I don't even know what they said. <laughs> I had faith in my fucking head. I don't know. I have no idea. But funnily enough, faith's actually used as a WCW theme in like 99 as well. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. The Limp Bizkit cover version. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> some, even worse. It's on Mayhem the Music. I can't remember who uses it, but somebody does. I know, I know they do. Oh dear. Oh it's all to God. come, mate. It's all... <laughs> I was just oh. gutted it's not Buff Bagwell. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty cool, but also not. Um, well, guess who's up next? Oh, it's Mean Gene Oakland. Uh, <laughs> fuck me. And he's with Sensational Sherry and Rob Parker this time, who uh, Rob's out with gifts, boxes for Sherry, uh, who starts ravenously ripping them open. Uh, Has Sherry been... Breathalyzed? Drinking the sherry, so to speak, because <laughs> she clearly looks fucking pissed here again. I thought I didn't think she looked too bad in this one, to be fair. I, I think she's looked a lot worse. No, yeah, not as bad as a fucking wedding, but it looks like she's had a few. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, this I, is a, I remember, kind of a nothing all, fucking say, segment to me, to be honest. All I can say is that I remember sherry. I've got a fly fucking roaming around my mic here. Fuck off. If you're a buzzing, it's a fly. It's not me unzipping my trousers, guys. Um, I'll leave that to my fucking... <laughs> you never yeah. uh, fucking doll would never change uh, <laughs> but yeah I remember Sherry being very competent on the mic and he was just slurring her words I think she's it's either she's had a couple to drink or she's trying to she's trying to she's trying to act excited yeah yeah and it's <laughs> she's not very good at it yeah well, she is. She's jumping up and down, and she's fucking loving the the gifts that she's been given, which are a leather waistcoat and I'm presuming a pair of chaps. She tries to hold them yeah. up, but she doesn't do a very good job of it. Um, and I mean, the chaps. Yeah. They're fucking trousers with the middle gone. Like, it, it's kind of kind of hard to hold them up. <laughs> um. I, I mean, try fucking folding a pair of them. You got no fucking chance. Yeah, I don't know. I think you just throw them in drawer and they just kind of fold themselves, don't they? <laughs> That's. Yeah. Christina pulled them off, you know, or put them on or whatever, back in the old dirty days. But that was about it. I don't think I've ever seen anybody successfully wear a pair of them. Um, um, Shawn Michaels? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I'll he, give you he, that he, one. He, yeah, because he always had the the uh, his really, really shiny ones, yeah. the ones with like sequins and diamonds or whatever on them, and he used to have them over his, uh, over his tights. Yeah. And then he, he switched to the, the trousers, which were basically like chaps, but without the missing part. Well, I, I think some of them had the missing part and he just like wore plain white tights underneath or something like that. Right. But there were like some where you could tell it was actually just part of the trouser itself, yeah. but it was just kind of like a design. And he actually tried wearing the chaps on top of the chaps <laughs> and it didn't quite work. <laughs> so every time, every time he came out, like week by week and you can tell he's just you know he's, he's flying by the seat of his pants here he's quite just, literally <laughs> quite literally and he's just trying new things out he's throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and every week he's coming out with less and less on these chaps <laughs> like over his over his pants like even less of a bit I think at one point it just looks like he's just wearing like um just a net it's like <laughs> 
you know, it, it, there's just literally nothing there, and he's just snipping them off, and like, why even bother at this point? Just wear, tra- just wear your trousers and just put on a fucking vest or something, and just leave it at that. <laughs> Is this the point where he probably can't even dress himself because he's so high? No, 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 no. Well after that. This, this is, um, I, I can actually tell you, the very first pay-per-view, he wore the the pants, where he'd gone from the tights to pants, WrestleMania 21. It is weird uh, that you know that. His, his well, it's my one of my favourite WrestleMania matches of all time. Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle. Ah. Fucking amazing match, absolutely amazing match. But yeah, he, he started wearing them at that pay-per-view, because I remember watching that, and I hadn't watched the WrestleMania since WrestleMania 17, right. like live anyway, and I watched it, and I'm like, ah, Shawn Michaels is wearing pants this week. Okay, and he wore them after that, because of it, he was having really bad knee issues, right. and the tights weren't really good support, yeah. so he needed a little bit more movement, and just wore knee pads underneath them. Yeah, let's with that. There but yeah, on. the fact that, but I can, I've got like a vivid memory of certain things, and that is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but again, if you've never seen that match, that is a match to watch. That pay per view is a pay per view to watch. WrestleMania yeah, twenty one. I, I think I've seen the pay per view because they had a, they had a game for it as well, didn't they? The Xbox yes. games. WrestleMania yes, they 21. did. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen the uh, pay per view. Which which didn't have Metalingus for Edge's theme, and I was pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> it was just you think you know me, you think you know me. Fuck off! He ain't used that for years. No, actually, actually, he did briefly use it for like. I don't know, two, three weeks in between losing the rights to um, the Rob Zombie song and then going to Metalingus. Right. It was literally like a cooling period and he just went back to the old theme for like three weeks and then he had Metalingus on Raw. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Bit of pointless trivia there, folks. I like it. And m- more fucking music. More music, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we keep going back to it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, the one thing that we're hoping doesn't happen is Sherry wearing these um, these chaps, or at least she wears something underneath the chaps. Uh, yeah. I don't, in hindsight, and I've only just thought of this, in hindsight, I don't even know what the fuck this segment's doing here, bro. Um, no, neither do I. I didn't know anything was happening in the lead-up to this, and well, nothing happens look, in the remainder of it. They don't do anything thi- with it. No, the thing is, though, is that Mean Gene is trying to interview these two, uh, these two people. Sherry's opening presents, and she's screaming and laughing and slow in her fucking words <laughs> and Colonel Robert Parker is being Colonel Robert Parker talking in his really really over the top rich southern droll yeah. and I can't understand half the shit that he's saying no. so it's just it's just a cacophony of fucking noise yep. and Mean Gene's just in the middle of it and he, he just doesn't know where to fucking place his mic or anything he's like you can tell he just wants to get the fuck out of there <laughs> and I don't blame him at this point yeah, it, it... no wonder no wonder he's wearing the glasses. He's got a fucking migraine. <laughs> it's like his eyes are fucking sore. He has to wear the glasses just to see fucking properly. <laughs> yeah, I switched. Have off. you ever have you ever, have you ever had a migraine that bad where you can't see proper? Like your eyes blur. So you know, I obviously you do. don't wear glasses. You don't wear glasses, or do you? Uh, uh, I'm supposed to for for uh, ah. reading and stuff like that, but not for not for longevity. Um, yeah, but yeah, I get the aura. The aura is yeah, the worst when... bit. Yeah, that's it. When I get the aura, and I, I've had it quite a few times at work recently, particularly when I've been doing uh, things that include clipboard with paper with, with numbers all over it, like fucking trying to crack into the matrix, <laughs> you know, that I have to wear my fucking glasses for. It's been quite, you know, a few few shifts recently I've had to wear my glasses at work, which is a really weird experience. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but again, it's just like I end up with that aura of migraines and headaches, and, yeah... Poor, poor Gene here, poor Gene. I sympathise with you here. Yeah, I think I've said on the podcast in the past, haven't I, that, that, that 
there was a phase that, that myself and my GP, uh, we thought that sex actually gave me migraines. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, sure, I I'm sure we discussed that on the podcast once. I honestly can't remember. Oh, dude. Yeah, we, we, there was a phase. So obviously they were becoming more and more frequent and they basically said, it's the same old thing, like just note down everything that you're eating and, you know, everything, you know, basically what you're doing as well. Like you said, you, you, certain elements of work can just set you off or certain things yeah. that you've looked at or whatever. Um, and, so, yeah, we noted it down and everything like that. And I said, well, I did. Um, and the, 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 the reoccurring thing was at one point it was sex. And I was thinking, well, that's just my fucking lunk that in it. Like I was fuming. Anyway, it turns out it's not sex. I think it's it's um, a lot of it's sleep depravity. I think like not yeah. getting a good night's kip. Well, I mean, sex and the lack of sleep kind of go hand in hand, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you fucker! I didn't even think of that. <laughs> well. It's really what you're depend- here for, bro. It's what you're here for. That re- re- not- really depends how long you last. Like, if you if you pop in the Viagra, then you, you probably could literally be uh, like uh, Bill Clinton uh, up all night. Uh, oh no, oh no, no, DX thing. Right, no, yeah, yeah. Seriously, the fucking DX thing. We're back to fucking Shawn Michaels. You know, <laughs> did not sleep with that woman. I was up all night. Yeah, fucking hell. Very very topical reference, though, Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, but all, all I could think of when you when you said like, oh yeah, it was down to sex. I could just think like doctor's advice when you bang, make sure you have an alka seltzer afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the irony in that one is that uh, I have I have I have lumps downstairs. They're not they're not cancerous, but I have lumps downstairs. I've had ultrasounds and all sorts. And um, again, having a conversation, I bet this GP fucking hates me. Um, in fact, my GP, he was a university lecturer as well, so you rarely ever got to see my GP. We called Dr. Moody, and he was over at Montague. Um, <laughs> Dr. Moody, that's a doctor you don't want to see. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's the reason why I took up more lectures, to be honest, because I kept going to him and saying, right, I'm getting migraines, right, we think it's from sex. And then these fucking lumps, so they're really painful, to be honest. Like, um, you know, you you know as well as I do, you get kicked in the bollocks and it just goes into your stomach. You start oh. getting that proper sick feeling. Well, I get that from these lumps, and it just happens randomly, random times. Um, sometimes I won't go; I'll go months without it happening, and then others it'll be a couple of days, and then there'll be others where I have it for you know days on end, sort of thing. Um, and again, sex or you know the the stuff that men do once they're reaching completion um, helps <laughs> help to numb the pain very fucking bizarre so on one hand i'm i'm numbing one pain and then sort of fucking causing another i'm going from he- uh, fucking ball ache to headache it just like i'm just i don't know dude i think we should just be called the walking disasters or something like that just fuck it let's quit the podcast and just become a tag team of yeah, comical well, proportions uh, well funnily enough i always have some like fucking bizarre story with my bloody walk i've had that today as well because uh you fucking actually... always that's why i ask at the beginning of the podcast how are you doing because i just want you to fucking tell one <laughs> well yeah because uh i was going into the shower this afternoon when i got home from work and the fucking curtain rail decided to fall off the wall and smack me right on my fucking head as we were into its shower there you go yeah exactly just like out of nowhere it's like think boom fuck <laughs> right how did that happen <laughs> Yeah, so you just again, need a, fucking... a piece of music to play in the background. <laughs> you just freeze frame it, and then you, you, the, the video would just zoom in on your confused face, like how the fuck did that happen? And then some music, a jingle playing in the background, dude. You you could just you'd have so many just subscribers like... on TikTok, it'd be ridiculous, really. 
Or just have like a compilation of me having all these weird accidents to Ode to Joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fucking hell! I'll tell you what. All this laughing is just making me more tired. To be honest, uh, we need to <laughs> we need to get through this pretty sharpish. We, we've only yeah, done one sec- match, <laughs> three Gene Auckland segments. <laughs> Numerous oh. fucking segments on music. Yeah. So next up, we've got uh, we've got a WCW World Tag Team Title match. How the fuck WCW gave these tough two fuckers a title match? I don't fucking know. Uh, the defending champions are Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray, obviously, and they're going to face off against Bully Valentino and Greg the fucking Hammer Valentine. Yeah. Um, I really? I don't even know who. Right. Seriously, I don't even know who Bully Valentino is. Fucking. But pound shop fucking Dusty Rhodes. That's who fucking Bully Valentino. <laughs> ah! <laughs> right, I said so much similar on this, right? I just said <laughs> Valentino Valentino look like if you ordered Triple H and Dusty Rhodes off of Wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not pretty, is it? Uh I, I also said Valentino in particular looks like Bastion Booger in a wig. <laughs> oh man. I mean seriously, like I am just kinda like wondering if every fucking movement in this match you were just going you know, just fucking farting and burping and all sorts. It wouldn't surprise me. I've got to be right. honest, it wouldn't surprise me. And obviously WCW's creative here is Valentino and Valentine. That we're just going to be the, the Valentines or whatever this is. This is this is just shambolic, guys. I, I can't lie. Uh, I'm surprised right. Gene isn't in this fucking match, by the way, seeing as he's been all <laughs> over the fucking TV program for the past half an hour. Uh, right. Well, I, I've looked up Buddy Valentino. I'm glad you did, uh, because I couldn't yeah, give a flying I, I fuck. Oh, right. Uh, Are you doing that? Buddy Val- Valastro Jr. is an American baker and reality t- television personality around t- Italian heritage. Okay, that's uh, got fuck all to do with that. So Baker? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. he's very bakerish. But more of the he... eating kind than the making kind. Oh, really? Is that him? That Seriously, that that can't be him. No, that's, that is not him. You're going to tell me he buffed right. up and everything, aren't you? Know? Uh, he, he did the old um, Randy from My Name is Earl and just got like fucking shredded. It's not him. because uh, oh. I've got Buddy Roberts. Um, but yeah, it's not him. Buddy Roberts being one of the uh, fabulous Freebirds. Ah. I'm, I'm literally getting very little here. Uh, I wonder if it's this guy. Um, just going through the, through the history of wrestling and all that. Um, yeah, could be here a while. Christ. You know what? I don't think that's him either. I'm getting all these different buddies, but not who I'm looking for. Right, okay, I found something. You ready for this? Go on. Buddy Valentino, profile and match listing. Promotion search, all, and he's only ever worked for WCW. Sounds about right. right. Guess what? Matches shown, one of one. (laughs) And we get the honour of covering it today on the Nitrogen (laughs) Podcast. Well, guys, you're in for a fucking treat here. (laughs) This is just depressing when it comes to these boys on the other side. Harlem Heat in fantastic shape. 
And the, as I said earlier, the pound shop Dusty Rhodes and Greg's the Harry Valentine. Greg's our fucking. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, thank you. Because I completely forgot about that. <laughs> slow and sloppy with Heat trying to up the tempo a bit, but sadly their opponents just find themselves on the wrong side of more or less absolutely everything. Um, so much so that I actually started just tuning out like I did in the previous segment. Uh, Tony mentions that, that Mike Tanay will be a regular feature on Nitro moving forward. And. The Harlem Hangover wins it for Harlem Heat. In four minutes and 45 seconds, this was depressingly given on primetime Monday night. Yeah, it wasn't... I'm just going to say, it wasn't a brilliant match. It weren't great at all. It were harmless. It were an okay squashing match, I'd say. Oh, yeah, not the um, worst that we've ever seen on fucking Nitro. But no. Probably doesn't even hit the fucking bottom ten. Um, I, will, I will say, though, like, I don't think we really put over how rotund Buddy Valentino is. <laughs> you know, he, he is a fairly heavy-set guy. You know, yes. and he's wearing the worst ring attire. Again, fucking yes. Bastion Booger, but in all black. Uh, he did manage a drop kick. He did manage a drop kick. Yeah, it weren't too bad, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, but it, it was... The weird thing about it is, like, he got a decent height, but it was a slow drop kick as well. Yeah. He seemed to levitate, <laughs> you know, which is impressive considering he looks a, a glaze short of a Christmas turkey. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, whoever this guy is, I'm guessing he's just like a product of the uh, power plants or something, and he has one match in his career, and he pulls out a fairly decent drop kick. Yeah. So, uh, rest in peace, buddy Valentino, I suppose, because I can't imagine that he's still alive. No. But um, yeah. Um, and tag him with a great like Greg Valentine. I mean, yeah, didn't do yeah. too badly. No, no, you know, all right, but. It's a shame he didn't get another match so we could see him pull out more drop kicks, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Ted DiBiase was front row for this. Yes, he was. Uh, I ignored that. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I, like I said, I zoned out. Like, this match just... I don't know. It was like watching a lava lamp. You know, if, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, like, it's even worse that you're in the ring with Stevie Ray. Like, wrestlers are always taught to get up and go to the left, right? Yeah. You're always supposed to... And, and to be fair to Buddy, he does it. But Stevie Ray don't give a fuck about that shit. He'll just do no. whatever the fuck he wants. So he goes yeah. left and it makes no sense. Yeah, typical. Uh, <laughs> I can't get past like watch, uh, watching a lava lamp. Because all I can imagine is fucking uh, uh, Buddy Valentino just like, you know, in that episode of Simpsons with, the, uh, with uh, Mulder and Scully from the X-Files. That's the now, one. I know, I know, I'm in your fucking wheelhouse right now, you know. And, <laughs> right, but yes, the episode in home is just there, just in his underpants, and he just prod his belly, and it just keeps shaking. And they're like, two hours later, they're looking at it, watching, watching, it's just still going. Blah, 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 blah. I can imagine that's what happens with Buddy Valentino, <laughs> like it just like prod him, and it just goes. Blah, blah. It shouldn't be fat shaming. I'm not fat shaming the guy, you know. Just uh, having a little joke, yeah. like you know. It's, yeah. No. I'm, I I don't I, you know, I don't think he's listening to this podcast. Considering I can't really find much in his wrestling database, I don't even think this guy exists. <laughs> I think I think mm. WCW were ahead of the curve. It was just a hologram. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, that's that's part and parcel of wrestling, isn't it? You've got to have a certain shape about you. And uh, this guy, again, you know, we've said it. Dusty Rhodes was a big guy, but the guy carried himself so fucking well. You know, uh, it's just this guy I, did not carry himself too well. He's got too much weight. He can't carry himself. That's it. Yeah. Um, oh, Jesus, right? That's classless, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit, but he got the drop kick, so that's all we're after. Um, no, I... Four minutes and forty-five seconds, as I said. Uh, once again, Gene Oakland post-match interview. Uh, he called out the nasty boys who duly oblige in violent fashion from behind. Uh, they throw Booker in and spike pile drive him. 
Uh, they then assault Stevie on the outside as we go to a break with the fans absolutely was, fucking loving it. Yeah, it was a fairly good beatdown for the Nasty Boys. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed it. The Nasties don't fuck about with this sort of stuff. No, They're no, just going they don't. Blazing, won't they? But yeah, they just and I want think, to like, hurt people. And I think the selling by by Stevie Ray and Booker. I mean, I, I think that really put it put them over. Yeah. Um, I actually think the they were genuinely offended by what Stevie Ray said. Because, it, I, I, again, fucking fat shaming on this episode, you know, because um, what happens is that uh, Stevie basically cuts a promo on the Nasty Boys for, and he, he basically cusses them out for being fat beer drinkers. <laughs> now, all I'm saying is that as a beer, dra- uh, beer drinker, at nearly 34 with a developing dad bod, as, you know, as older, the, the older I get, the more my, my belly just seems to, like, drop a little bit, you know? I'm just begging of you, Stevie. Don't make me defend the honour of the Nasty Boys. <laughs> I would rather die than have to or want to do that. It's that is just, extreme. It is extreme, but you know what? I would, I would rather die than defend the honour of uh, the Nasty Boys. EC Dub, EC Dub. <laughs> yeah, dude, I just don't like them. Uh, no, again, I wouldn't. Would... I wouldn't wish a heart attack on them and everything like that. But fuck me, just nah. get out of my fucking visual line of sight. You know what I mean? Um, next up, it's a Glacier promo. Um, boy, oh boy. Uh, and next uh, up, it's Glacier's coming. He's co- He's been fucking. He comes a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> maybe he's. Maybe he's your neighbour. <laughs> Dude, stop it! Seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Brian's up next again while I sort of bleach my eyeballs. After what I've seen this evening. Uh, <laughs> Just the way you went, dude, stop it. <laughs> that, really, that really fucking tickled me. And uh, yeah, oh, when, you, when you're ready, when you've composed yourself, Brian. Oh, God, this episode's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, God, I nearly chopped to me on saliva then. Well. Uh, we got Cruiserweight action, guys. Dean Malenko versus Chris Jericho. I mean, oh, yeah. I know I know these two have a long history together in WCW, so um, oh, I'm fucking jazzed for this match. I was so jazzed when, when they announced it, because like, I didn't look at the match card before I watched the episode, of course, I just uh, put it on and let it let it go. You know, Dean Malenko comes out, and then I hear Chris Jericho's music, I'm like, oh, fucking brilliant. And we've got Mike Tenay on the commentary as well. It's yeah. like, oh, just so fucking good. As Jericho's making his entrance, Tenere runs down Jericho's background, informing the viewers of his experiences in Mexico and Japan, and illustrates perfectly why Jericho is a big fucking deal. I mean, again, this is why I love Mike Tenere. He actually gives purpose for the wrestlers. Like, he tells a little bit of a backstory about them, and, you know, where they come from, and what their style is, and everything. He's literally just a wrestling encyclopedia, mm. is Tenere. He really is. A fu- There's a reason why they call him the wrestling professor. He's just so good at his fucking job. He might be one of my favourite commentators of all time. I think he's best at what... In, in terms of, like, color commentary, he is the best at... Well, not even color commentary, but, uh, like, core color commentary. Yeah. The person, the, the third the third man that gives the knowledge, there's nobody better than him. And yeah. I think Excalibur, Excalibur in AEW, he does a good job of doing this. Yeah. But Mike Tenet, the master of it. Absolutely love him. Chain of Matt's submissions to start. Jericho gets out of a hammerlock with a bat suplex. 
Both run the ropes and do the classic over and under chain dodges. Jericho manages to do a forward roll undermine going all this before hitting a sweet leaping sidekick. I mean, really, really fucking fast action here. And I mean, that fucking forward roll, like, how quickly he does that, it, it's just seamless. I, I don't think he's doing them now, put it that way, but... Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not fat shaming him. I'm just saying he's getting on a little bit. And uh, but yeah, he's. I mean, Jericho's still pretty fast for his age, but he, he ain't doing this anymore. No. Uh, there's an ECW chance as Jericho hits roundhouse kicks, but Malenko manages to scramble a German suplex as Tanay gives a further rundown of Malenko's wrestling family, family and Jericho's sports ba- background with his father being a noted NHL player. Again, just. Uh, being the encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge, just uh, giving purpose and yada yada. I mean, I just said it again. He's a master. Brain busted by Malenko for two counts. Malenko beats Jericho down with running boots and forearms and applies a triangle hold and uses ropes of leverage as Dibiase is escorted out by a police officer. I mean, what a match to leave. Like, it's just really, really sad that you sat through Buddy, Buddy Valentino trying to wrestle beforehand and <laughs> you leave this match but okay <laughs> funny moment when uh, when Larry Sabisco assumes he's going to the toilet yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Jericho should, managed- should, should note should note there what, what you said that he was he was he was led out by a, a, a police officer he, he, the police officer just kind of it wasn't saying right you get out it was just sort of guiding him if you like yeah, yeah. Ba- basically you know WCW fans are quite rubber you know the rabid, a bit rabid and, yeah. yeah, and he's just for his protection, he needs a police officer. Police officers are like fucking seven or eight feet in front of him. Like, they'd be asking, may as well be escorting himself out to the fair. <laughs> and just from what I could see, there was nobody behind him. So, but yeah, he gets out safely, manages to go pee pee, and uh, <laughs> you know, we don't we don't see him for a while now anyway. So. Jericho manages to get out the triangle hold with an electric chair drop. Really, really good uh, reversal there. But an irate stops any momentum. Malenko further slows the pace with, with an abdominal stretch, again using ropes to leverage, and Jericho struggles out with an iron drag takedown. But Malenko cuts him off again by pulling, by, pulling him by his tights into the turnbuckle. Jericho attempts another rally, but Malenko hits a beautiful spring, uh, springboard bulldog to regain the foothold. Dean really goes to the high flying cruiserweight style often, but he when he does, like he can he can match anyone in the business, anyone in the in the cruiserweight division at least. He's just so fucking good at what he does. Patrick breaks up an illegal skirmish against the ropes. I don't even know if it was illegal to be honest with you, but Patrick actually on the ball doing his job, I suppose. So I can't really complain too much. Uh, Malenko backs off and runs at Jericho with a leaping crossbody, and both spill out to the floor pretty nastily, so as well. Mm. Back in the ring, Jericho hits a baseball side on Malenko on the apron. Then a triangle suicide crossbody. That's the best way I could describe it. You know, the triangle drop kick that he usually does, as he did last week. Except, you know, he actually leaps over the ropes. It was pretty impressive, that. I kind really of felt impressive. like he didn't. He hadn't decided what he was going to do. You know, like no. he, but he'd gone for it and he was just like, well, I've committed. Yeah, but it, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, whatever he was trying to do, I'm assuming that from, from your just. Uh, from your discussion I completely missed that to be honest with you I just thought oh that's a pretty cool move mm. um, but uh, I, you can only assume that he was trying to triangle drop kick but Wayne Cord just falling off the apron so mm. yeah uh, but anyway uh, he goes at the top for a missile drop kick by uh, does Jericho and he gets a two two count and goes to the tombstone power driver 
What is it with WCW wrestlers and doing a tombstone? <laughs> like it's, I, I've seen several people do it, attempt it now. Yeah. I know I know Owen Hart was doing it in WWE at this point, but it's just so freaking weird. But anyway, Malenko reverses it for a two count, then attempts several subsequent pins as the commentary puts over his never... No, never... Look, I've really fucked up my notes here. Uh, he tries subs, uh, subsequent pins as the commentary puts over Jericho's never say, die, never say die attitude. I got there in the end. <laughs> never say die, as you say. Back on the feet for two. Uh, back on the feet for two. Uh, look, sorry. Back on the feet, Jericho hits a lovely bridge in German suplex from the corner for a two count, then a rebound spin kick. We get the finish here as Jericho teases another German, but Malenko scrambles out into a full Nelson. Jericho rolls out, locking, uh, locking Ari up by Malenko, is ducked into a German attempt by Jericho, stands and switches into a German attempt by Malenko himself, but Jericho utilises his upper body weight into a forward small package and gets a free count in a huge upset. A, a really great match there with uh, a brilliant finishing sequence. I really hope I justified that finishing sequence. Fucking gas describing it, but <laughs> I think people I, listening to it were kind of expecting. Oh, and he uh, he threw him down and then put uh, a Boston <laughs> crab on him and he tapped. But no, yeah. it wasn't. They they, they did a, a really really fucking re- something really different. To be fair, really yeah. different of the time, especially that fucking ruled. Yeah, that match absolutely fucking ruled. One of, if not the best cruiserweight match I've seen on Natural so far. Boom. It was so fucking good. Mm. I, I hazard to get, uh, guess of another cruiserweight match that's really been as good. I think it was uh, a Benoit Eddie Guerrero match, which I actually did give five stars. So um, I, I will have to go back into the archives. There is one Eddie Guerrero match. It might have been the Rick Flair match, actually, that I yeah. give five stars. The first but, one, yeah. Uh, yeah, but as far as cruiserweight matches go. I think that might be the best I've seen. This is it was probably fucking yeah, probably the pick. And and fucking fly again. That, honestly, if I got a bit distracted during that during the rundown of that match, it's because I've got a little fucking fly flying around. It's pissing me off. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, what what really gets me about that match is just how much it got in, and yet I know that's only a taster of what's to come. Yeah, and they got they got some time for that match as well. Uh, yeah, nine minutes and one second. Yeah, so you can imagine if they get like 20 minute matches on pay-per-view. Yeah. You know, speaking of, during that match, they announced that Chris Jericho is going to take Chris uh, take on Chris Benoit for bro. Yeah. And, like I said, we have to watch that pay-per-view. I we, mean, we're, oh, yeah. we're going to we're gonna fucking do it for war games anyway, but yeah. Yeah. the more, there's just matches keep coming out about, for that pay-per-view and I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's, it just sounds like an all-star pay-per-view to me. Yeah. It's a, it's a massive pay per view anyway for for incidental you know storyline telling storytelling yeah, going forward so it needs to be uh, it needs to be watched but you know the the undercard is is certainly not under in any way shape or form um, there's plenty it's, to wet the appetite there and it's over it's it's um a little bit of it's highlighted next actually because they've got a video compilation for Rey Mysterio and Super Calo um, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen Super Cowell before. Was he on pay-per-view or was he scheduled to be on pay-per-view but uh, got injured or something and was replaced by uh, Psychosis, I think? Yeah, I think he was supposed to wrestle Conan. Yeah, but I look at him here and I'm like... Yeah, dude, I don't, okay. I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> I, I, I've no idea who he is. What he's doing is pretty impressive, but mm. he looks rinky-dink. I mean, he's wearing an ill-fitting shirt and an ill-fitting mask. It yeah. just seems like... Okay, Buddy Valentino, he's under the match for you. Put on this mask and this. Uh, and for God's sake, put on a t-shirt. He might be onto something, you know. You never know. He, does. he just you know. looks like a 
he's trying to be a little bit gangster, but he's wearing like a really bizarre, like homemade fucking mask and all that lot. And the one thing that kind of annoyed me about this video compilation, as you were saying there about cruiserweight matches, the only one that really sticks out in my mind is Ray and Ultimo Dragon or Ultimate Dragon or whatever you want to call him. Um, is that the, the, the Ray Mysterio like Hurricane Rana's and head scissors and fucking Fra Frankenstein's and everything like that? They actually leave in the botched ones that he did last last week against uh, Mister JL. Like there was yeah. one where he fucking goes over and JL made it just like I don't know I don't know what he was fucking trying to do but he certainly didn't pull off the move uh, leaving stuff like that into to sort of highlight a wrestler just a bit iffy uh, just to add as well it was uh, three and a half stars for Jericho Malenko from the Wrestling Observer newsletter I can't really disagree with that I think like if it had another couple of minutes. I could probably give it another half star. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I could actually probably just go as four star for what it were, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like I said, it fucking ruled. And I'm going to surprise you here. Go on. There's another Wrestling Observer newsletter rating for a match in this show. Ooh. And you've already it, been through all the Cruiserweight ones. I'm going to say, is it the main event? It could be. Let's find out. Uh, next up, we're going to see a singles match between the Giant, who comes out with Jimmy Hart and Brad Armstrong. Uh, interesting note on the in entrances. Not so much Brad Armstrong. So just, I do like his theme music, though. Uh, Giant's name bar had a green glow on the outside yeah. of the lettering. And now I initially thought, is that the lighting from, obviously, uh, in the arena? But the lighting shifts, but the green glow stays. Yeah. And I was like, that is different. Yeah, it is, mm. and unfortunately, I mean, uh, well, well, let's not spoil anything just yet. Yeah, I know but, where uh, you're going. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's a bit pointless. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it were it were cool, but it were also not cool if that makes sense. Because the way I looked at it, I had to like double check to see if I weren't watching a VHS rip. <laughs> that glow, it kind of just looked like you know where. Where all the bloody colours just end up bleeding a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, on on, on old VHS tapes, yeah. it were kind of like that. Mm. I mean, but 1996 can't really expect much, to be honest with you, can you? No, no. Of the time, as per. Yeah. Um, early I mean, again, nice idea. Yeah. Yeah, given that it's, it's only him that's had it, that's the only time I've seen it. So again, it gives it gives the giant that unique uh, character, doesn't it? Um, Early drop kicks and offense from uh, Brad, but one hit from Giant sends him about 10 feet across the ring. Brad with a go behind and tie ups, but this is just asking for trouble. Uh, yeah, th this is what's really getting me about these matches. It's like, did he watch the tits? <laughs> did he watch previous episode of Night Show? Because it just seems like every fucking guy with a small stature keeps trying the same old thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can pick this guy up. No, you can't. No, you can't, no. And I know Brad Armstrong is he's a taller and bigger cruiserweight, but. You went picking the giant up, mate. Yeah. Um, locked into a corner, giant just pummels Brad from one corner to another and puts his foot on the throat as we cut to the outside, where there is a black limo pulling up on, into uh, next up next to a cop car. Um, back in the ring, foot again in the throat this time, and it's a hip toss. Uh, giant just skulks around like just just being a giant, really. Uh, Brad manages. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, man. It's just, it just so slow. Yeah, it's just um, a giant. Three, five, four, from. He may as well do that. Yeah, he may yeah. as well. But unfortunately, you're just playing into Hulk Hogan and fucking making fun of him again yeah. if you do that. So just, like, let's not. Just don't. Brad oh, manages to wiggle out of a slam uh, after coming back from the ropes, but Giant picks him up via the neck 
after he'd hit the floor. Throws him down another 10 feet in the air he came from. Chucks him out of the ring, but Brad gets a guillotine on the top rope, which staggers the giant back. And then the top rope drop kick sends the giant rocking. Decent drop kick from Brad Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real good drop kick. Um, I should call it a missile drop kick, shouldn't I? Not top rope drop kick. What a yeah, yeah. Dickhead. I'd make no one might to name me. Brad briefly pumps fists to the crowd who respond with absolutely fuck all. And Brad finds himself <laughs> throttled and chuck slammed down, to which the fans do respond. For your information, fans, Giant's the heel in this one. Winner, Giant, 3 minutes, 48 seconds. Hmm. Right, you said Giant's a heel, and I know he is a heel, but the fans responded to him really well when he came out. I yeah. mean, he got a, a pretty good pop, and he notices that the fans were cheering him, and he's, he does play to the crowd early on. And I'm like, he's portraying himself as a face here. Mm. He's not really doing... He's, I don't think he did anything heelish in this match. No, not really. Like, nothing. I mean, even Jimmy Hart didn't get involved, so... I was going to say, he came to the ring with Jimmy Hart, which automatically makes him a heel in all wrestling fans' eyes. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. That's, that's... <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he were taunting to the fans, and, yeah. you know, it was, it, it was just like, oh, babyface turn coming. Nope. Uh, it's still a heel, guys. But yeah. that fucking, that chalk slam as well, though, it, it, it does hope... It weren't, it weren't like the short slam against Chris Benoit. No. It, was like, it was like a diet version of that short slam. <laughs> he still holds him up, and he holds him up high, but he holds him up for a good three seconds before he drops him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking hell, brutal looking. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, the Giants really come into his own over the last few months. I mean, he's just getting so much better in the ring all the time. And Yeah. Oh, you and, can see it, yeah, definitely. And, and if you want to look at like most brutal finishers in wrestling at this time, that's the move. The chalk slam, his chalk slam. Yeah. Just if if he continues holding him up like that and holding holding him up high, then there's there's no competition for it no. at all. There's that and the diamond cutter, and fans are the, just fucking loving it every time. Yeah, they, as soon as as soon as this the, the inkling that it's going to happen, everybody's on their feet. Yeah, the diamond cutter is the most over move, but the chalk slam looks a more brutal move. Totally. Yeah. Um. Next up is uh, an NWO vignette. I say NWO, but it's only Hollywood Hogan uh, perf- uh, performing. To be fair, he actually he kicked an inflatable globe right at the camera lens, and I was so <laughs> impressed. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. That. And, fucking hell, we're going to be missing Brereton for the next like three games. Can we not just sign Hollywood Hogan? Uh, just have him play up front for a couple of games. Hogan's giving us a revisionist walk through the last few weeks and results uh, and talking smack about the forthcoming Fall Brawl War Games match. He says, Sting will be stung, Lex will be hung, Flair won't be there, and Arn won't be Arn anymore. I think he just kind of ran out of things to say with Arn there, didn't he? Fucking... Yeah, he, he just rambled on a little bit in this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, were, there were certain things we were talking about that I really liked. The rest yeah. of it, it were kind of like it was just there. Mm. But I think when he's on his own, he, he, he's still getting used to this heel persona, but when he's left to his own devices, when he hasn't got uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to bounce off, he's just left that hung out to dry, I think. Yeah, you've you know. you've you've literally said the rest of what I wrote. Conspicuous by their absence, Hall and Nashu uh, really make these vignettes whole. Uh, Hogan alone has a tendency to just go off, which works yeah. when you're the bad guy constantly, I suppose, talking smack about opponents, or in this case, world crybaby wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to the stinky giant fucking yeah. shit again. Can you not think of a better word for C than crybabies? <laughs> I mean, you could just say world cunts wrestling, you know, but. <laughs> Obviously, PG shows don't say that, but <laughs> I mean, you you can. I'm pretty sure you can. 
use better words. I would have said World Car Crash Wrestling. Just mm-hmm. putting down the promotion. Yeah. Not saying, oh, yeah, you cry, babies. Yeah. No, don't yeah. do that. Car Crash, you know, that really puts it, puts it over. And, it, it, and actually, it would make Hulk Hogan look like a fucking genius because in a few years' time, it was literally a fucking car crash. <laughs> you know? The foreshadower of all foreshadowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? We, uh, um, go on. I, I will say one thing. I like that he dialed back on the Hogan voice here. Yeah. It, it, like, it was talking in his more normal voice. Yeah, yeah. Like, he is slowly moving away from that. I know he's not going to completely eliminate the, you know, the Hulk Hogan fucking shtick, but the fact that he's dialing it back and talking more in his, you know, in his own voice or a more amped-up version of his own voice, mm-hmm. that is that is progress for the character for me. Even spray-painting on one of his Hulk Hogan shirts. Granted, he was only spray-painting the WCW logo out of it, but still, he's kind of defacing <laughs> his own fucking merchandise. <laughs> I actually missed that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, they just hung up a fucking a white Hulk Hogan shirt that had WCW underneath it, and he was just yes. like, what's that? Okay, right. That, that is funny, but, it, you know, it's fun, but it's also funny and really fucking weird. Imagine, like, most wrestlers are there in the bloody locker room, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what, what are you going to wear for your your entrance? Oh, yeah, I'm just going to wear cut-off sleeve shirt, you know, just maybe put a little cut of the neck so I can rip it, you know, like Hogan does or something like that. You know, I can rip it off. Not like Hogan, literally, but, you know, it would just be easier just to rip off or what have you. You know, oh, Hogan, what are you going to do? Hey, I'm just going to spray paint over the WCW logo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that you've said that, actually, later on, Hogan can't rip his fucking shirt. I love, I love when that happens to wrestlers. It happened to Sting once, like, in a fucking, in a reveal. Like, fuck me, and he couldn't rip his shirt. It's just like, dude, you fucking gym, like, twice a day. You're strong as fuck, and you can't rip a fucking shirt. What's wrong with you? I, I just, I do actually remember, I think it was uh, British Bulldog, and when I said British Bulldog, I mean late 90s British Bulldog, where he looks like um, a dried-up Gucci handbag, you know, it, it, it doesn't look well. No, that it does way. not. No, no. No, but I think there was one time where he had a t-shirt on and he gets to the ring and he tries taking his t-shirt off and he gets caught up in the sleeve. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's funny, but it's also quite sad at the same time. Yeah, some proper Balotelli shit, that, innit? Uh, <laughs> we count down. Bar- <laughs> Bar- you had to bring up Mario Balotelli on the fucking podcast. I mean, why? Any excuse. Um... We count down to hour two with a look at the limo that's outside and the fireworks go off as Bischoff says that it's the 53rd Nitro. It's not, Eric. Nope. It's not. <laughs> but today right. is going to join Bischoff and Heenan uh, and we recap again last week and what happened with the NWO. Right, before we move on, mm-hmm. it after that chat earlier, it occurred to me, they missed a week, didn't they? They yeah. did skip one week. Think... That's why the actual official anniversary falls on the 9th. Yep. They missed a fucking week, yeah, didn't they? Preempt for NBA, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. That'll be the one. Uh, singles match next: Randy Savage versus Big Ron Stud. Big Ron's back, uh, and again, Mike Tenay, as you said earlier on, the old Wikipedia of nineteen ninety six wrestling. Ron was trained by John, and it turns out that's actually true. Uh, and also, you wouldn't believe where Big Ron Stud actually comes from. He's from Cumming, and yes, it is spelt that way. Uh, in Georgia. Uh-huh. <laughs> Coming oh. in Georgia. <laughs> right. Seriously, there is a. There is a. <laughs> I'm so immature. It's ridiculous. Oh man. Uh, there is um. Oh, fucking hell, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember the name of the film. 
Um, that has Georgia in the title. It's um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, one night in it, Georgia. <laughs> no, no, those are. I I honestly can't fucking remember the name of it. Um, oh Jesus Christ! I am actually trying to Google it. <laughs> we could be here all fucking night. Right. Uh, ah, Macon, Georgia. Macon, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a film or. Uh, a oh no, it's a. Oh no, it's a Andy Williams fucking song. That's why. Oh, yeah, right. Macon, Georgia. That's it. Um, can imagine just a, a song coming, Georgia. You know, just like if you want to sing a song about where you come from and make a film, come in Georgia, and it's about coming, like. Yeah, that's what I'm going to, but the joke just falls flat after all that Google searching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people I have left the comedy club. <laughs> I, apo- I apologise for wasting your time, listeners. Uh, <laughs> earlier, friends and power from uh, Stud, but slow to keep... Uh, Keep on top of it. Sorry, the spelling mistakes in here. Uh, we cut to the limo again, and Hall, Nash, and Hogan are coming out of the limo, but clearly hiding something or someone. Hogan actually attacks the cameraman. Um, back in the ring, it's a one-handed scoop slam with the threat to throw him into the crowd from the ring, uh, from Stud onto Macho. Uh, Stud throws a bit of a paddy at the ref after the yeah, because yeah, because Randy Anderson just walks right in front of him and he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. It's like it's wrestling, dude. He wants to throw him over the top rope. He can do that. It's not an illegal move. No, it's not. Or is it one of those instances where, like, oh, yeah, it's uh, this match, if you throw him over the top rope, it's a disqualification. Dude, don't, don't say that. We've not had that in a while. You're tempting fate now. <laughs> We're going to see one. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> well, to be fair, they do go over the top rope in this match, so yeah, it can't do. be that. Yeah, um, allows yeah, Macho to get a breath while he's having a little bit of a paddy at the ref for only a two count on the old uh, scoop slam. Uh, he hits the top rope to the floor, axe handle. And then there's a big scoop slam from Macho Man. So it seems as though I've actually uh, I've actually skipped over where they both go over the top rope. Big scoop slam from Macho, to the t- and he goes up to the top rope, uh, and it's the Macho elbow that gets the win. A stud kicks out just after the three count. Uh, I kind of like people doing that, like so it's a close three count, because it, yeah. helps, it helps the character, and a guy like fucking John's, John, John, yeah, particular- John Stud <laughs> should be it's, um, it, it, Big guys in particular. Yeah, like totally. if you want to get a guy over, and yeah, pretty impressive from Savage to manage to pick big Ron Stud up. By the way, yeah, like, uh, to do to do that, I mean, obviously, Ron Stud is a heavy. I won't say heavy set. He, no. He's a he's a he's he's a well built guy. He's yeah. big built, but well built, mm. and usually on a guy his size, the legs are usually the heaviest fucking part of the body. Mm. So it's like dead weight. You know, he could sandbag without actually sandbagging, you know, yeah. without trying to sandbag. And so that is proper brute strength from Randy Savage there. Intensity personified, as always, uh, and we're going to get to see it after Macho wins in 2 minutes and 44 seconds. And surprise, surprise, it's me and Gene Auckland in the ring with the Macho Man talking about the match with the Giants, which is upcoming. At, that's, that's a fall brawl, in it, yeah. Um, Macho is pacing, resting on the ropes and everything. But then he says he wishes it was Halloween Havoc tonight so that he could beat Hogan and take everything from him because that's what makes him happy. Gene says uh, he's not even sure that Macho is mentally stable. Uh, and Macho agrees. 
He says, if you are not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. Uh, he and what, the giant... what does that even mean? I don't know, dude, but I liked it. I fucking <laughs> liked it. Uh, <laughs> it, it, con- it confused me. He's like, I'm living on the edge, and if anyone in the building is living on the edge, they are taking too much room. Yeah. It's kind of like being on the edge of a settee, I suppose. If you sat on the settee, then you're taking up more room. But if you're living on the edge of the settee... Get off my settee, no. <laughs> I can imagine him calling it a settee. <laughs> People out there are like, what the fuck is a settee, man? <laughs> like, couch. You know what? I actually did a real good impression, though. I was impressed. <laughs> he says, impressed with my impression. But hey, wordplay. He said um, Ian the Giant had a deal, uh, but unfortunately the Giant didn't keep his end of the deal, so the match is taking over. Both men will melt when the heat of the macho man <laughs> brings them both to hell. Yeah, dude, I'm all right with it. It's verbiage, really. Yeah. It was like yeah. I was watching this last night, and I'm fucking sat on my chair in, 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 my, uh, in, the, in the studio, and it's like, it, it's going on like half past 11 at this point. I had a nap in the afternoon, and I thought, okay, I'll watch it before I go to bed, early start and all that. And I'm watching this, and he goes, oh, we'll be melting. I'm like, well, I'm fucking melting now. Yeah. Can you not draw attention to it, please? <laughs> Uh, um, I do want to know something that I didn't miss off earlier on. Okay. Uh, did it? Did it? It's just a very, 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 very short thing, and I'm trying to find it now. What have I done with it? I've lost it. I don't know where it is. Ah, okay. Um, the referee for the tag team match was Mark Curtis, who uh, debuted uh, on this night show, and suddenly. It's unfortunate. Um, he died this past Wednesday. No, he didn't die this past Wednesday. He died 22 years ago this past Wednesday uh, from uh, a well-documented battle with cancer, I believe it was. So Yeah, I remember, I think it was Eric Bischoff posted about it the other day. Yeah, yeah. He's another one that um, you were going on about, like, Nick Patrick's eyes and stuff like that. There is a fairly well-renowned wrestling gif of him being basically splattered in a corner. I think by Scott Hall. I think Scott Hall is whipped into a corner and he ref bumps it. But the way he ref bumps it, he just like falls backwards, sorted like in slow motion. Uh, it's really, really good. It's, it's really amusing. Um, I thought I thought you were saying that when he's got splattered, his eyes popped out of his head like Nick Patrick. You know, like when they're bloody weird, bloody toys where you just press them, the eyes just go, boom, <laughs> just pop out. Just kind of like that. Yeah. He can, no, he kind of, it's very comical in, 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 in its fashion. It really is. Um, and I think, I could be wrong on this one, but I believe he was the first referee to ever be in a wrestling game. Oh, wow. Yeah, I believe that he was, or at least he fucking, he was on the, on the wrestling games that I've played, let's put it that way. Um, and yeah. he has he has quite a unique look as well. He does, yeah, he does. I, I mean, to say that pretty much every referee in WCW at this time has a moustache, I mean, at least he curls his. <laughs> and he doesn't have a mullet. That's nice. No, he doesn't. He's he's balding, isn't he? A fresh, a refreshing change. So yeah, he's uh, he's debuting here, and obviously we'll we'll be seeing him over the next couple of years. Uh, but it's we we do that quite a lot on here, don't we? We kind of like keep everybody abreast of of the the latest goings on in the in the refereeing world of WCW. Not many people yeah. talk about referees on the on the podcasts unless, like you say, it's a referee versus referee match, invasion, or some shit, or a special <laughs> guest referee. But we we're just sort of like yeah, referee Randy Anderson. I mean, we're, it's almost to the point where we might have to start giving them ratings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, it's a tag team match. It's going to be the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner. Well, I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, they're, fe- they're fighting Lex Luger and Sting, but um, well, the, the, 
they don't. So basically what happens is as they stand off, the horsemen are outside going out to the empty limo, uh, looking for the NWO. Heenan says that they're going to need a lot of security if the NWO are in the building because the limo is empty and the horsemen know they're inside. So they give chase back on the inside. We go back inside and Luger and Rick Steiner tie up. Uh, they tie up once and Luger throws Rick off. They tie up again, but this time Rick throws Luger off. And it's over. Nick Patrick rings the bell. <laughs> Nick Patrick rings the bell to the absolute dismay of Sting, who says, how can you disqualify him for that? Uh, apparently Luger struck the referee, and I've got to be it, honest, I missed this. I completely it, missed it. So did I until the, the shot the replay. And it's literally the... Right, all I'm saying is, is that I, I have had pats on the back that's, you know, like, you know, just like when you're in a pub or like that and you're, you're like, moving around and whoever, and he was like, you're a pawn, and then it's like <laughs> another another pub goer just fucking pats you on the back as you went on the way past. It's just that light touch, you can barely fucking feel it, you know, when they do things like that in a crowded area. Um, I've had that with more intensity than, than and uh, just as more harder <laughs> I am finding it hard to describe after that. More harder than the Wooger touches Patrick here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it was like a breeze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we are feeding into the old Nick Patrick, and I'm still not going to get over this day going off Nick, Nick Patrick when we were doing that pay-per-view watch-along because I'd literally been fucking taken in by wrestling. For that brief moment, I'd been taken back. <laughs> to when wrestling was like semi-real and I'm like what the fuck are you doing you prick <laughs> uh, and that's, this is this is the moment that it's led to uh, Nick Patrick is playing the ultimate bad guy fucking referee here he gets booed to shit by the Chattanooga faithful uh, referee sucks chance the whole works Sting and Luger end up ch- chasing P- Patrick off up the entranceway even the Steiners refused to have their hands raised earlier on uh, or to even call themselves winners. And the match is over. Uh, the Steiner brothers, in theory, defeat Lex Luger and Sting by disqualification in 38 seconds. Uh, we continue with this episode and that little bit of confusion as the commentary desk say, What? I don't even know. What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Heenan's like, Well, I can see where he's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't want to be touched by Lex Luger either. <laughs> um, anyway, this is the, uh, as you say, this is the uh, the final fucking Wrestling right, Observer but, Newsletter match. <laughs> right, say, by the way, just not to gloss over that match, by the way, we're not really considering oh. it a match. We're considering it an angle because it's, it, it's literally just an angle. Yeah, that's that's completely understandable. So, I, I thought you were going down like a completely sarcastic route then, like f- no, no, five no. stars. <laughs> No, of course, not, of course not. Maybe in Tokyo Dome, but yeah, <laughs> like Sting but, did his paint, like, and he did a fairly decent paint job this time as well. And it's just like, yeah, you ain't fighting tonight, mate. Fucking hell. So yeah, I, main event I, time. I, I, to be honest with you, I think fucking Victory Road went longer than that match, didn't it? Yeah, of course it did. Yeah, yeah, fucking hell. Oh, Jeff Hardy's entrance went longer than the match. <laughs> <laughs> and that's including Sting and Luger and the Steiner's entrance as well. And Nick Patrick's entrance. <laughs> Deary me. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. Main event yeah. time. Yeah. Basically, what I was saying is, not to gloss over, we're not considering it a match. So when we actually give like a rundown at the end of the show, like um, I'm not going to scrutinise it. Because yeah. it, 
for the purpose of an angle, for the purpose of furthering a, a story, they did a damn fucking good job of making Nick Patrick, well, Nick Patrick did a damn good job of making Nick Patrick look like, well, Dick Patrick, yeah. as I call him. Yeah. We got Nick rolled. I'm going to start calling it that. <laughs> I genuinely no. I genuinely thought like when he fucking he started pointing to the screen, which is obviously like right, ring the bell, ring the bell sort of thing. But he just, I just kind of felt like he was gonna break out into karaoke, like he just completely fucking forgot about the match. Just, I I genuinely thought it was just gonna start singing because there's absolutely no reason. You don't think in your head, deal, unless you've seen the results or you know what's happening or whatever. That the referee is gonna point at the screen and ask for the bell from two tie ups. (laughs) So yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, he's gonna start singing or some shit. I'm never going to ring the bell. I'm never going to wire down. I'm never going to turn around. And uh, so counts. I was just trying to think at that point. like I, I, I thought I had it. I thought I had it then. More, more time and I will come up with something better than that. But <laughs> Never going to shave off my moustache. Anyway, main event time for the fourth time. <laughs> uh, Eight-man tag team match. I fucking hate eight-man tag team matches. Uh, but I have my fucking words on this one, I'll tell you that much. Oh the my god. Four horsemen, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, Rick Flair, and Steve Mongo McMichael with Deborah, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman. Versus the Dungeon of Doom, Big Bubba Meng, the Barbarian, and the Taskmaster with Jimmy Hart. Why are we calling him the Taskmaster? He's Kevin Sullivan. Come on now. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna try and fly through this. Uh Mongo starts with Rogers. It wasn't great. Ben was <laughs> <laughs> Right, seriously. I I've just, I put Mongo and Sullivan start, not good, by the way. I also put Mongo comically stumbles to the mat and attempts to springboard something or, or another. <laughs> and ultimately and predictably, it goes wrong horribly. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, uh, poor Mongo. Why was he trying to do a fucking springboard when he doesn't have the fundamentals of wrestling down? He's like, oh, I saw Rey Mysterio do this. I can do this. Yeah, it must be easy. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Jesus Christ. I, I want to see him do a, a moonsault. Call it the, get mon- the feeling like he does one at one point. Seriously, he has to call it the Mong Salt. Yes. Yes. Although over here, that probably means something different. Well, the Mongo Salt then. Mongo Salt, yeah. Um, I am going to skip little bits in this because there's, there's a shitload of tagging. It's fucking, it's an eight man tag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, let's just say there's like a good seven minutes where Ben Ward's just getting beaten down by everybody from the Dungeon of Doom, just quickly t- uh, tagging in, tagging out, tagging in, tagging out. Yeah. 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 You know, um, I will say one thing going back to last week where I really ripped into, <laughs> ripped in, into the sudden putting over of the t- Tree of War as a yeah. big manoeuvre from Kevin Sullivan, he actually does this in this match and he actually does a real good job of it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I see the point now. Because mm. like, as uh, Big Bubba just uh, lifts Benoit up and upside down and then he ties Sullivan in and Sal- Sullivan actually runs into the other corner and then he just does like, you know, the stamping of the feet. Like, ah! And then fucking legs it across the fucking ring, you know, and then boom, near and it, fucking out look like it hurts and yeah. I mean legitimately look like it hurt but he put the intensity into it and seriously I can't put it over how fast he fucking ran yeah it was really impressive like fucking Kylian Mbappe here <laughs> yeah um Kill, Killian uh, uh <laughs> Killian Max Sullivan <laughs> uh well yeah, I mean, after after Mongo's little moment in the Benoit's in uh, with Barbarian, and that's much better. That's much more intense. 
Uh, and every week that we're seeing Benoit, you can see that Benoit's growing as a professional wrestler as well. Backstage segment here. Well, I say segment. Is it really? Sting and Luger are chasing, still chasing Nick Patrick. They've been gone for like seven minutes at this point, so they must be just chasing him around the arena. You know, like you used to do on like SmackDown versus Raw. Um, oh, Fleur's tagged in in the match, uh, but the Sting and Luger are distracted by Ted DiBiase, who's under uh, an umbrella and he's jumping into the NWO limousine. Quite literally, as soon as he notices that Sting and Luger are chasing him, he fucking skedaddles straight in there. Sting quickly runs back, grabs a cinder block, and throws it through the window of the door that Ted DiBiase had just got into. Just yeah, as the window drives off. Yeah, I was actually off. fucking fearing for Ted DiBiase at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is probably the greatest moment in WCW history. It's <laughs> like a fucking cartoon. <laughs> it's like a cartoon, Mark. You've got this guy dressing tights. No shirt and face paint, assaulting a fucking police officer, and then nicking his car. Nicking his car. This stole a cop car. And yeah, and give obviously chase Lug- to the, Luger, and obviously Luger, who's wearing less. He's he's wearing fucking underwear and boots here. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> jumping in. He's like, what the fuck is going on? I love this because you can make so many fucking stories out of it. It's, it's fucking great. Right, don't, don't get me wrong, right? I, I... I I, I will say, I was thinking like GTA type fucking thing. I mean, literally and figuratively, you know, I, I'm talking GTA 5 here. Like fucking uh, Lex Luger is Trevor. That, that's right. Like, and fucking uh, Sting is, uh, I can't remember what his fucking weird accomplice is in GTA 5. The one, the one that fucking wears uh, juggalo paint. I can't remember his fucking name, but that will be Sting in the fucking equation. Literally like that kind of thing. Just fucking going on a rampage and stealing a fucking cop car. Yeah. It's like, honestly, I'm not putting it down because I thought it was fucking brilliant. Where were we Comedy. talking about ratings? Five stars. Yeah, you get five stars yeah. in GTA straight away for fucking making a cop car and assault the police officer. <laughs> I well can't just, I, Do you know I, I don't know if I didn't realise it was this episode or I just completely forgot about it. But as soon as this happened, I was like, oh, yeah, this actually happened. And fuck <laughs> me. I loved it. I fucking loved it. It's just yeah, so it's stupid. Um, but it's it's proper world building. That's what you need yeah, it in is. wrestling, you know. Yeah. And, and seriously, WWE aren't doing this kind of shit at the moment. No. <laughs> and you, you have to think that someone's told them this is happening in WCW and when they have to get a, a thumb out their you know when they get their thumbs out their asses and actually start doing something you know more entertaining and more quote unquote real is that they're doing all this shit as well yeah yeah well WCW are, again are obviously doing this unopposed this is ahead of Ro, the curve Raw are um, the preempt again so you're trying to get that fucking you're trying to get that WWF base that little there's a little bit that has come over Watching WCW and you want to, you want to engross them. <laughs> you see, Sting and Lex Luger fucking commandeer a cop car. Uh, yeah, so Sting and Luger are fugitives. Shoot her, fugitives now, folks. Um, will they make it to Fall Brawl? Who the fuck knows? But <laughs> back in the <laughs> yeah, they want they'll be in a different type of prison rather than war games. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe maybe the war games is the prison. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Uh, back in the ring, uh, Flair is absolutely dominating. Uh, there's a copper outside, phony, phony. He's like phoning it in. But imagine, imagine being that copper, and everybody's at the station. He's like, um, incident at uh, the UTC Arena in Chattanooga, in Tennessee. Um, yeah, uh, I've lost the cop car. Yeah, it was a guy wearing face paint. 
yeah. yeah, I can, ima- I can imagine, <laughs> right, operator, this is a 412. What the fuck is a 412? Uh, police car stolen by wrestlers in wrestling attire. <laughs> one kind of looks like a clown. <laughs> the other one is a clown. Um, <laughs> my gun's in the fucking car. <laughs> this is urgent. <laughs> Oh man, just it's just so many avenues you can go down with this. It's just so good. Uh, there's plenty of tags for the dungeon, as you said earlier. Uh, the horsemen are taking all the the um, taking all the moves and and they're building all the heat and everything like that. And it's Benoit who's, who's taking most of it, to be fair. And then Arn has a spot where he takes a little bit. This honestly has to be the best thing that the dungeon have ever done on WCW TV, and I think that is largely down to what the the horsemen are doing here. By just allowing them to just sell him like fuck for him, really. Yeah. Um, we go to I a mean, break as wh- Flair is choking Barbarian. Go on, who are we going to say? I forgot. I forgot. Uh, well, forgot there's going to be a Glacier promo, so who could forget about that? He's coming. Iron <laughs> <laughs> and Rogers as we come back, and then Benoit. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I can't get past this now. I just can't put, you know. Spunk runs cold. Oh, like, dear. I, I just have to make it worse for you, Mark, don't oh, I? Oh, dear. Well, you know, free IVF for his wife. <laughs> oh, God. Gross out humour. People are just going to be like, oh, no, that is disgusting. I'm turning this off. Yes, that's pretty much it. Well, they got to the end of the podcast, really, didn't they? So <laughs> they've survived. Um, Arnon and Rogers has come back from the break. Then uh, Benoit gets a tag and it breaks down for a moment. And everybody gets in the ring. Sullivan and Benoit now continuing with that feud. Uh, once again, a horseman takes... Uh, oh, yeah, a, hit, a horseman is taking all the hits for the dungeon who look great because of the horseman. Uh, Flair is just like, fuck it, I'll take you all on. And when he's just not randomly coming into the ring to randomly hit somebody, he's outside the ring threatening to. Uh, but it's almost as if he always knows when the camera's on because the camera is on the outside at the corner and here comes Flair. He gets out of the ring at the other corner walks all the way around, almost as if he could see the red light and knows that the camera's going to be on, so he goes and fucking looks for a fight over there. Um, Bischoff completely ignores quite a lot of this match, actually, because he wants to talk about Muhammad Ali, because he has a special coming up on TNT. Uh, Arn spine busts Barbarian as Meng comes in and chokes Benoit. Completely random again. Just, they're not even the le- they're not even the legal men, but the referee can't do shit. Uh, that was Randy Anderson, weren't it, the referee? Yeah. And he was like three foot nine. And he was just like, no, no, don't do it. Oh, what the fucking, no, what the fuck can I do? Um, the faces of fear go for the double top rope shindig on Benoit, but completely fail. Flair's tagged in, uh, and he's like a man possessed, taking on everyone again. Uh, and then Flair manages to get on a figure four, which prompts the horseman to jump in and take out the dungeon in its entirety. Woman gets into it with Benoit at ringside uh, as he instructs her to help Flair out, which she duly obliges to do pulling on Ric Flair's hands, which is possibly the worst assist of all time because I don't get what it does. Um, it basically... I'm guessing what it's meant to be doing, it's like leverage, like holding onto the ropes, like you're using it, you're, you're flattening your back and it's supposed to like arch your legs a little bit and apply more pressure, I think. Right. Um, I think it is just a fucking aesthetic... Yeah, Inked. that's it. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's I'm just talk, I'm talking purely kayfabe here. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, you know, it, it's like the uh, the ab- uh, abdominal stretch. You know, yeah. abdominal stretch. Sorry, uh, the rest hold. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not doing anything. The abdominal stretch. You, you stretch like that. It's just you're not hurting people. You're not hurting mm. them. It's literally just an aesthetic thing. Yeah, it's 
Well, it works. Uh, Fleur gets the three count. Yes, pinfall. Uh, on Kelly, Kevin Sullivan here. And uh, this <laughs> it kind of did my head in. Because if you're not smart to it, or you're not one of the boys, then you know shit about what's relevant in 1996 when it comes to this lot. But we, as a, as we look back at this 25 years, so it's literally like we've just gone past the 25th anniversary of this happening. It's just really bizarre that they thought this would look good on TV because it's, it's Benoit instructing woman to to help to defeat Kevin Sullivan and it's just in my head even you know with everything that's gone on and we don't need to fucking talk about the, the bad stuff that happened and everything like that the fact if that had not have even happened you know there were affairs there were this there were that there were the other um, it's just really fucking bizarre that they actually thought that this would be uh, good for a storyline when no fucking knows that Benoit is having an affair or woman's having an affair with Benoit behind Kevin Sullivan's back nobody knows in real life yeah. So the average TV viewer is like, oh, well, she's with him and she's just helping her team win. But 25 years later, we know a little bit more inside. It just, I don't know. This, it, this is what did my head in about Kevin Sullivan's booking it just sometimes. Seems like, it just seems like, well, if that's if it's Kevin Sullivan booking this. You know, I, I can only assume, you know, it, it could easily be fucking uh, Red Rooster. Fucking, what's his name? I can't remember his bloody name now. You know who I'm on about? I do. Yeah. But I can't uh, remember his name. Um, no, his, his, his name just fucking... Terry Taylor, that's the one. Look, uh, Ke- Kevin Sullivan in the main event with the Dungeon of Doom. There's only yeah. one person booking this. Yeah, because otherwise, what I, what I was getting for, going for here is like, okay, so Nancy's had a, an affair behind Kevin Sullivan's back, but from what... From what I understand, by putting this on TV, Kevin Sullivan un- uh, knows that she's had this affair by this point. Then it's well, not, not it's not rumor and innuendo. The story but, goes that they were pretending on screen, and then it blossomed into a real affair. Right, I see. So the, it, the, the the affair might not have even happened yet. You're all right, because it does seem like somebody was just stirring the pot by, by putting this on TV to me. Yeah, yeah. No, the the I, th- I think I think from what. I've heard from Kevin Sullivan and other people was uh, just as I said there, you know, he he, he had them pair up on TV and then all of a sudden it, it, it kind of, because they were travelling together and bliss that and the other and doing shows together so they were riding cars together and then, yeah. So, I don't know, I don't know. It's just, I just find it a bit bizarre. Um, yeah. And obviously this is where shit is about to go down. So yeah, Fleur has won the match for the Horsemen. The NWO running straight away through the crowd and assault everyone. Fuck it, why not? Heenan Bales, <laughs> shocker. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they they got they got hell for leather on everybody. They just everybody's a fucking target. Organ even comes out and starts assaulting people. Uh, and it comes the turn of the giant who comes out racing to the ring, seemingly to save the dungeon. But he doesn't. The NWO shocks the world again as the giant is the fourth slash fifth man, if you're including DBRC. Um, Randy Savage runs in with a bright green chair, and like the video game character that he is, dodges everybody, swinging a chair on everyone but Hogan as he turns around. Uh, Hogan backs into the corner, but Hogan manages to somehow take him down, and they just scrap it out like a proper fight. Uh, there's a massive choke slam on Macho from Giant. Uh, Obviously, a couple of the guys have managed to recover a little bit, and Arnie's up having a little dance on the apron with a bright blue plastic chair. 
Uh, he's quickly dispatched by Nash, thankfully, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen there. <laughs> no, Mongo, every, every Mo- time I see that fucking plastic chair, I get scared. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's, it's a WCW prop, you know. Yeah. It's got to be. Mongo's up next and takes a fucking amazing bump off the apron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he meant to do it. Well, he didn't mean to do it, let's be honest. No, of course not. No. Of course he fucking didn't. But I really hope he was all right because, dude, it went off the screen and he looked. F- it just looks so gnarly, man. Nash just... It, it was kind of like... It was kind of like... It was kind of like Tekken. I can't remember the name of the bloody character when he throws the opponent off a cliff in the in the actual video footage and he just turns to the camera with a really weird wide eye thing. That's all I could imagine when I saw that. He just disappears. <laughs> he does disappear to the bar at the side. Man, he's so fucking... I shouldn't laugh at it really, but fuck me. I bet it really hurt. I really do. Um, yeah, seriously, if someone actually just take that and you just go... Da, 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 da. Not that, not that. Sorry, you know, fucking the Mario bloody thing, the Mario death thing. Yeah. Um, Macho is given a yellow stripe down his back. I presume this is a cross between yellow belly and spineless, which doesn't really make any sense because he came in four on one with a chair and went for the it. Fact, the fact that the commentator call, uh, commentary call it a yellow streak, I just assumed it were a metaphor for piss. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's a thought, but you don't piss up your back. No, you don't. I'd be impressed. You must be really well endowed. <laughs> Just over its shoulder. <laughs> Just down. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt Joe's out. He's out for the count here. And to be fair, he did have like 28 leg drops dropped on his head. So, yeah, no, re- no wonder why. Um, the NWO then go and hit the commentary desk and everybody's fucking bailed. Hogan says there's no question who the most powerful organization in wrestling is. And then he hands it over to the giant who says that he got a call from Ted DiBiase asking him to come out to Florida, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Hogan rips the nitro sign off the table in that infamous, infamous piece of um, filming and they all spit on it. Cool as you like, then... <laughs> sorry. Cool as you like, they let the giant do his bit, just all relaxing on the table and in the chairs and just arms folded. Until the dungeon and the horsemen have got their second wind and come back round to fight some more. The giant actually falls off the stage that holds the commentary desk. (laughs) And the whole thing descends into absolute chaos that still thrills me to this day. Like, my stomach was just like butterflies, man. It was just like, fucking hell. They made it look so fucking real uh, and so mental. Uh, How could anybody not love this? They dispatch the dungeon and horseman. The giant closes off the broadcast. I'm sorry I can't detail what he said because it buffered again and it actually ended the fucking video. Yeah, basically towards the end, uh, Hogan ties it all together saying that as, as a part of the deal, uh, Hogan had managed to get the giants apart in Arnold Schwarzenegger's new movie. Right, so if that if that was the selling point, then I question the giant's uh, judgment because... <laughs> That movie that he's in is Jingle All The Way, released yeah, later on this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Right, oh. you, you, t- you turned on your friends just to get a two-minute cameo dressed as a giant Santa. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Well, obviously what? the winner in that one, Ric Flair for the Four Horsemen in 13 minutes and 54 seconds, and... The Wrestling Observer newsletter gave it three and a quarter stars. This is I agree. Kevin Sullivan's finest hour. Um, fuck me. <laughs> it's probably the only time you're going to see the Giant in a in a rated match. It's probably fucking hell. Maybe even Hogan. Like shit a brick. 
definitely well, Steve Mongo were, and Michael. They weren't in the match, they were just supporting the match. You yeah, know, that's they were, true. They, yeah, they were yeah. part of the angle. All right, I but, maintain Mongo. Yes, especially <laughs> Mongo. Maybe even, Big Bu- no, maybe even Big Bubba. Yeah, no, he definitely wasn't in one. <laughs> Just this one. And, of course, as, as I detailed, it ran opposed, un- unopposed because there was no role which had been preempted for <laughs> the tennis. And this wasn't even like Anna Kornikova tennis. This was just tennis. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, yeah, <laughs> that rounds it out. You uh, you texted me and said you were fucking pumped for this. Oh, fucking yes. I was like bouncing in my fucking chair. It's a miracle I got the hours sleep that I did last night. Put it that way. <laughs> I was bouncing in my fucking chair at the end of this. Like everything leading up leading up to it, you know, the, the, they weren't really a bad match on the show. Like even the fellow matches and the worst match was like I'd say okay, you know. But like they had some really really good matches on this show as well. And then you get to this fucking angle at the end, and I'm just sat there, and like you, you, you're saying you had butterflies in your stomach. I was just electric, mm. and you gotta. I have to put this into perspective before I continue. I was telling you uh, this past Sunday night, well Monday morning, uh, after watching All Out, uh, All Out 2021. Uh, after watching it, I said like it was a pay per view where AEW got pretty much everything right, every decision they needed to make was mm. the right one. Even the minuscule things like, you know, oh yeah, who who wins between uh, John Moxley and whoever. It's like, you know, well, obviously John Moxley has to win that, that kind of thing. It wasn't the important match, it was a good match, I can't remember the name of his opponent. Sorry, I'm not too far up on, uh, you know, I'm an old New Japan or Japanese wrestling is always very minimal, you know, but, you know, having Minoru Suzuki, I do know of, uh, come out afterwards and take out Moxley, just things like that and just who won, wins the title matches. You know, I know I've spoiled a little bit there, by the way, because you haven't seen it, but, yeah, that pay-per-view, it, you know, people were calling it, the, and, and I saw a few, like, noted people as well saying it'll go down as one of the best pay-per-views of all time yeah. i don't know if i agree with that assessment just yet because it's just kind of like the hype after it you know what i mean however i would say it's one of the best pay-per-views i've seen in the last 20 years yeah you know and i i've always said wrestlemania 17 the greatest pay-per-view of all time and this was one of the best pay-per-views i've seen in that time, it was that fucking good. So what I'm saying is here is that Eric Bischoff, Kevin Sullivan, the wrestlers involved, just be aware that on a week where wrestling popularity, is, I won't say it's at its hype, but it's in its hype in 2021, as it can be. You know, we've just come off a... No, 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 no bones about it. A historic wrestling show. Just... Take a, take a moment to look at what you've done here. Because after such an electric week, you've still managed to surprise me with a show from, what, 25 years ago? You've still managed to have... Where I could have just been, like... I won't say um, jaded, just tired out from the... You know, and utterly spoiled by the incredible wrestling that I've had... You know, and surprising, surprisingly so, and you've managed to just get me 
fucking so pumped up and screaming at the TV when I just think I'm, I've had my fill for a while and I'm just electricity going through my fucking veins and pulsating with, I was literally pulsating with sweat. I know heat in the fucking, in the loft, we'll add to that, but pulsating with sweat just from the, the adrenaline and everything. That's how fucking good this show was. That's how fucking good this angle was. I stand by what I wrote down after talking about this tonight. The best Nitro I've seen so far. Yeah. It was fucking incredible. I can't put over the show enough. I'm fucking loving Nitro right now. And again, we're getting some consistency as well. Because that's two in- really, really good Nitros, one after the other. Yeah. As well. yeah. And they're riding a wave of momentum. And I, I-, I know there's some quite shocking stuff to come. And I-, I know about the fake thing. We've got that to come up to, uh, before I fall brawl as well. And I- I've seen fake thing. Jeff Farmer, you know, he does look like... Steve Boyden, he really does. Yep. Without the face paint, yep. same build, same hair. You know, if you're if I'm watching that in 1996, I'm not gonna know. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be none the wiser. When I look at that face thing, I'm gonna be none the wiser. I'm just gonna think that sting. Dude, the WWE managed to put Jeff Farmer on the back of the Sting DVD and Blu-ray because even they couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> fucking mental. <laughs> what I'm saying is here is that there's a lot of good stuff to come uh, to come. And last night, I knew I had to get to bed, but I was so tempted just to jump right into the next episode of Nitro. I wouldn't have blamed you. I wouldn't you have blamed you, to be honest. Yeah. And that is a sign of a good wrestling show. Yeah. And again, I, I, I just can't understate it enough. You know, you you managed to... You just managed to get, keep me fucking so fucking hyped up when I was burnt out from just... And spoiled and shocked at the wrestling that I've seen in 2021 you just managed to surprise me from from an event from 25 fucking years ago like that that says to me that this episode of Nitro and the events going on in Nitro at this time stands the test of time yes, yes. I, you, you you know Daniel Bryan, Bryan oh, sorry I've got to be correct Brian Danielson yeah we've got to know. go back to Brian Danielson <laughs> I Brian, was going to mention yeah. this <laughs> Brian Danielson it, it, it's no secret he was going to AEW right yeah. okay yeah. And there was a video going around from the media call after uh, after all out, and he he sat next to Tony Khan, and he basically said, I'm not I'm paraphrasing here by the way I'm paraphrasing, yeah. he was just saying that what he wants to do is you know just to put on great wrestling matches because he believes as a wrestler entertaining great enter- entertaining wrestling you can show it to anybody you know wrestling at its best you can show it to anybody and. They'll be entertained because great wrestling is the fucking best, basically. He was saying something along the lines. I'll 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 show you the video some other point, Mark. And I I completely agree with him there because I could show this. Just I could show that main event to anybody, and they might not understand wrestling itself. But th- what comes after it? Just everything leading up to it, and what comes after? You know, you know they. There will be you'll be hard pushed to find a person that's not entertained by that, yeah. because go back to the word, it's real. It's fucking real. Thank you, Kurt Angle. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. It's damn real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been. It sounds like it's been a good few days for you in terms of wrestling. So oh yes, yeah, seriously. We like, will keep that momentum going at some point. Um, I feel. Like, I feel like a rejuvenated wrestling fan. All out made me feel like the. 
the fan that I became in 2000 when I watched Royal Rumble. I yeah. felt like that all over again. And then I watched this and I just feel so fucking, like, I, I just feel so spoiled that I've got this wrestling at my disposal now. I haven't even watched Dynamite from last night yet. I've not had the time to. No. Um, but I, I just feel spoiled that I've got all these Nitros coming up and these storylines and I know we're leading into 83 weeks and... Oh, I can't fucking wait, Mark. I can't wait. It's made this podcast the greatest idea ever. It really has. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and as I de- as I detailed to you uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, even Beth's like, on board. She's like hotly anticipating what's about to happen. And we've been talking. I, I haven't let any spoilers out of the bag. I've made sure you know that I've not dropped any hints or anything like that. But even she's fucking psyched for four brawl because obviously we've detailed before that she's going to be uh, she's going to be helping us with the watch along. Um, what you can do, guys, is you can go on to nitrogencast.com and that's going to be updated with what will be the forthcoming schedule for when these episodes are going to drop because we're not entirely sure if we're going to keep with the fortnightly format as this is coming up or. There's been times where obviously we do a nitro and then the week after we upload the pay per view and then the week after that we do another nitro. So yeah, it's basically what you got to understand is as the world gets back to you know increasingly back to normal, we're you know we're, we're starting. I'm not saying that we're neglecting the podcast. We're clearly not. It's we me and Mark talk about this every day or every other day. Yeah, and yeah. you know we're looking at when's the next possible date that we can record and. And what have you? It, it, it's just circumstantial at the at the moment that Mark is back at work full time now, and his hours are up and down all over the bloody place. And Beth is back on tour, and when she got when she goes to gigs, when she goes to perform, Mark, understandably being the supporting boyfriend, goes with her to you know to support her. And there's obviously gigs that he's wanted to go to. He had a gig last night, and you know it, it's kind of like we still have lives outside of the podcast, and even though the podcast is a focus. You know, we can't just abandon work. And I'm working a lot more mornings these days as well. And mm. I, honestly, in the last month, I've had five days off work. I mean, I've counted five days off in the last month. It has been fucking insane for me. And obviously, I, I work in retail. And, you know, you don't, need, you don't need to look at Twitter or the news to know what's going on in retail at the moment. It's an absolute clusterfuck. You know, it's, it's hard going. And retail workers are in demand to work more to, to get us through the sticky patch and I, I I'm gonna look at the money I'm, I'm not lying I'm looking at the money yeah. uh, especially after paying my mum's rent for a month as well leaving me short this month um, I'm looking at the money I'm looking at you know Christmas coming up as well and I want to get Mark a nice present this year <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie I'm gonna be trying to get you know get you a decent present this year it seems you kind enough to get me one last year um, but just in general like you know like I say we want to do other things outside podcasts but Outside, of, work is the biggest crux, you know, at the yeah. moment. Yeah. And we're just trying to find the time where we can both sit down, watch these fucking pay-per-views. And, oh, sorry, watch these... <laughs> watch, pay-per-views included, you're right. You know, well, yeah, but watch the nitros. Because watching a nitro and recording it is more time-consuming than doing a watch-along. Yeah. It really is. And it, it's just like finding the time, which is why Mark is watching the, watching the episodes before we're recording the same day and I'm watching them like the night before it's yeah. it, it, it's time constraints and it, it all it is is that Mark and I need to get our thumbs out of our asses and find the free time 
that when we have the free time to not fucking just like, oh yeah, we'll just go out on the pace or it like this. <laughs> Which has been happening. <laughs> it, it has, it has. Again, post the opening, we can be able to get together. But what, what I'm saying is, we get a few episodes watched, we get a few episodes noted, and then we get a few episodes of the podcast recorded from that across a few days so that you're not missing out on content. Yes. It's simple as that. You know, we, we, I, I think we've, you know, we do owe you an explanation, you know, a proper explanation as to what's going on, even though you can, you could probably put two and two together and understand and yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't think, I think it's been a while since we actually missed uploading an episode. We haven't um, missed it. That's the thing. We've ended up doing a filler because we're like, okay, we ain't got any time to yeah. record. We've just not had, sorry, to watch an actual, or simply put, we've just not had the energy. Hmm. You know, because that happens. Like, when you're fucking tired, like, it, it's hard to put time into something like this, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, we do, and we're doing it tired sometimes. And I, I get very self-conscious. Like, I've, I've noticed a few times recently, I've been really sleepy when I'm doing the recording. I'm like, what kind of fucking, you know, uh, energy am I giving off? Because you, you know, you may as well be listening to Kevin Sullivan's podcast. You know, it, I, I, sometimes that's how I feel like I'm just like really sleepy and, I'm, and I feel like I'm falling in when I'm not. I'm actually genuinely invested. It's just like I just don't have the energy to express the, the yeah. you know, the, you know, the electricity and all that. And I end up repeating myself and what have you, which is, you know, it is what it is. Well, hopefully we can take forward the momentum that this episode's given us because things oh, are yeah. really hotting up, uh, especially with Fall Brawl just around the corner. So there's one more Nitro, then it's Fall Brawl, and then obviously there'll be a Nitro for the Fallout straight after uh, Fall Brawl. As I said, nitrogencast.com will be updated with the release schedule when me and Brian have properly, talk, pro- properly talked about it. Uh, and and of course, I, I, I have set a name. I have set a name, uh, this fucking fly, that... Um, one of the two upcoming episodes, be it the, because I, I think we've discussed this whilst we've had a few drinks and, you know, we, we've not actually put a foothold on it, but one of the two episodes, be it the the one year, the actual one year anniversary of Nitro, so episode 52, hmm. or the Fall Brawl episode, we're going to fucking do one of these in person. Because that has been the long-term goal, and unfortunately, <laughs> again, it's just like time constraints have made that a little bit difficult. Yep. Uh, but we're gonna, we are going to get to a point where we can do these in person. I, we, I promise you guys, all we need to do is just get a few episodes recorded in advance, and then we can just set out a plan after that and just say, right, this is this is a Sunday afternoon. We're both free. We're getting together. We're recording. Done. It's in the bag, and then a few weeks later, that will be released because. You've got episodes to listen to first. Yeah, yeah. You know, we and, have... and then it will get to a point where we're, we're just doing it in person all the time, and you won't know the difference. Yeah. You know, you won't know the difference that you won't realize that we're just kind of like phased out recording it, it, you know, remotely. And I'm pretty sure that one or two episodes are probably going to have to do remotely, you know, because sometimes that's how it goes. But the long term aim is to get this done in person because I genuinely believe us two are at our best when we're face to face. Well, I can't wait, dude, because. That means I don't have to watch the guy across the way jerking himself <laughs> like a chicken. <laughs> also trying to record a wrestling podcast. <laughs> and as, uh, obviously... We, we... <laughs> no, no, it'd be like the uh, uh, naked guy in Friends that just come over and we're both fucking watching fucking <laughs> choking the chicken. Oh, so he didn't die. Fuck. Um, 
and obviously we have discussed as well we've discussed there's the odd time you know that i'm not going to be able to make a podcast or there's the odd time that brian might not be able to make a podcast and there's other things going to be in the pipeline me and beth might do one uh and brian and uh, guests multiple guests of his choosing uh and whoever might want to join uh might even be able to do podcast episodes as well so don't worry the, the schedule will be fulfilled it's just every now and again there might have to be a buffer episode just to uh just to fill a gap when we're both busy it's mental, yeah. isn't it? It's just mental the way that the world is now. It's reopening up, and everybody's, you know, trying to get everything out in one go. I'm, I'm, I'm no different. Like I've been burning the candle at both ends these past three weeks. Uh, yeah. I need to rein it in a little bit. Yeah, and and you know, we hope that you appreciate the, that we are still doing our best to put out content to the point that we we'll just find a random fucking pair for you to watch. Mm. You know that maybe just. Re- just only slightly linked to WCW even like the last two WWE pay-per-views we've done for instance you know just get it get it watched get it recorded so you you're not missing an episode even though it's not in the timeline they're just bonus episodes just to keep keep you going just keep the audio content going yeah that's you know and if you want more content you can go and follow at Brian Talks Crap or you can follow at Nice Gen Cast but as we've said you know the content it's very few and far between at the moment because we just sort of rammed out to our bollocks. <laughs> but yes, check the website for the new schedule. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us out on this recording actually with a very short speech from none other than Mick Foley on what he said uh, about Daphne, and uh, that will be everything from us. Uh, the preceding announcements was paid for by the Nitrogen Podcast. And perhaps most remarkably of all, I'm talking about a young girl named Vicki Lyons who was left for dead at the age of four in a parking lot in West Texas when she'd been run over by a truck, told she would never walk or talk again. She outlived everyone's expectations, and she fell in love with wrestling, and she trained for six years, six years, and died at age 34 from a brain aneurysm brought on by the complications of her injuries after having one match, one match with Daphne, who's here as my guest tonight. <laughs> Daphne, there are people who look at that match and think it's full of botches. I look at that match and I think it's a match full of miracles. I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm so thankful you're here tonight. <laughs> 